some of them. You're wasting all your time and money on models. Paint what you have. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Model Club TV, episode 82. As always, my lovely co-host, Scott Johansson. How are you, sir? What's going on? Have you recovered from your fall? No, the embarrassment of my fall lingers. <laughs> forever. For eternity. Forever. In digital format on YouTube forever as a YouTube short, which should we even look to see how many views it is? I, I, I'm no, the, the slow motion replay is enough. Are we still at 1.3? Yeah. Yeah, 1,340 views of you falling down the stairs. That's great. Oh, that's awesome. Well, maybe you should put the slow-mo one on there. Yeah, the maybe room. I'll do that next. We'll do that one. <laughs> I'm glad oh. I wasn't the only one in tears when, when I put... Oh, my gosh. That's so good. Um, yeah. How's life? What's going on? Doing okay? You seem sure. a bit subdued today. What's... Well, I had a big day, you know. Oh, a big day. We're recording on a Saturday evening, which is finally weird. fixed. Septic's okay. fixed. That's good. Okay. Um, I hope. I mean, I'll know probably in the next couple of days if water starts pouring out of it again. But uh, <laughs> I think we're good for a while. Okay. Um, Talk right into that, Mike. Eat it, Mike. And uh, what else? The um. Cleaned all my carpets and my couch. Got some new couches. New couch and love seat for the living room. Aww. Yeah. Well. Your mom wanted something new. Anyway, um What were you, 30 seconds in and I made it? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we should talk about that. Talk about what? About our, our little incident. Oh, we did have an incident. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I stopped at our local comic store. The other Which we day. both go to. Yeah, We both go to. And um, um, uh, you want to give them a plug or are you just going to say the comic store? No, they're not paying any money, are they? No, they're not. No, they're not watching, are they? Probably not. <laughs> no, that's the hell with them. So, I've been going there since 1981. Okay. And uh, now I got to plug them. What have they done for me? It could be nice. What have they done for you? Let me, oh, I'll I'll remind Lori that next time we're in there. Next time I'm in there. What should she, okay. All right. Amazing fantasy books and comics in Frankfurt. (laughs) See how quickly. Finley Park and Lockport, Illinois location. See how quickly that turned the the ire of Lori. Frankfurt location (laughs) and tell Lori that I sent you. And she'll give you a big discount. No, but Scott just averted death. Ah, <laughs> oh, all right. Yes. Okay. Continue. Sorry. So anyway, so I was there and uh, I called you on my way back from there. Yes. And uh, what was the strange quinky dink? Uh, my mom then called me five minutes after you called me. And said she was. No, she had called you before me, I thought. Nope. She called after you. Okay. And said she was sitting in the parking lot of Alsip Nursery, which just happens to be within walking distance of the comic shop. And so for a, for a faint moment, I was like, wait a minute. Are they really hanging out? What's going on? 
So, yeah. Yeah. You guys were within feet of each other and did not, as far as I know, actually run into each other. But we have a great episode for everybody today. It's one that we've been waiting for for a very long time. We finally got Danny Soraco to come on the show. Uh, we had to get a third party to get him to get the camera set up and get everything going. But I think it was well worth the wait. We're, I, I look forward to future episodes with Danny on. Scott, thoughts here in the beginning. We're going to kind of skip some of the normal stuff and just go right into uh, the interview a lot quicker than we normally would. But just because there hasn't, there, I don't, there's not a lot out in the last week or so. So I felt like it would be just kind of extra stuff we didn't need. But there are a couple of things I want to talk to you about up front. But we're going to get to the episode uh, interview a little quicker than normal. So thoughts on the interview before we get to well, it a little later. First, on. thanks to Roy Barrel. Barrow, uh, Barrow, Roy, Roy Barrow. Roy Barrow for um, setting it up and uh, yes. letting Danny borrow <laughs> his house and his background. So, um, yeah. you know, thanks, Roy. And uh, thanks, Danny, for coming on. Thank you. Yes. We, sharing uh, some good stories and uh, really appreciate time. it. Really appreciate and, it. You know, it, it, it's good. People have always asked us to get some of the old timers on it. Uh, we finally got one. <laughs> we finally got one. So. Which leads to, he gave me some information. You'll find out later on. I have the info now. We might get another Garage Kid History person in there. So we'll see. Um, everybody, please like and subscribe to the show. If you're watching it this far, I'm sure you like it a little bit. At least hit that like button. Subscribe. Hit the notifications bell so when episodes go live, usually around the 15th and the 30th, uh, we have a Discord link down below. Uh, it's more than just that live thing on Saturdays. If we're not there, you can always post your work, get some other things on there. That email. Let's get the email up, Scott. Let's see if the buttons are broke today or if they're working. Email is modelclubtv at gmail.com. Send us an email. We got some stuff for the gallery. I don't think I have really any emails for this episode, but we'll see. And then the phone number. If you want to leave us a voicemail, which we have four. Uh, 708-816-4299-708-816-4299. Try and keep them around 30 seconds. That's the best way to do it. But there we are. We're in, we're off. We're off. We're off. Uh, Scott, I watched, uh, into the spider across the spider verse yesterday, finished it day before. Freaking loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. I think it has potential. I just told Brian this this afternoon when we're re-recording our other episode from screwing that one up. I think this has potential to be one of the top trilogies of all time, sitting alongside Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Empire Strikes, not, no, I'm sorry, Lord of the Rings, Back to the Future, and Spider-Verse will be up there with the greatest movie trilogies of all time. Given that you're competing with Return of the Jedi, any of the Lord of the Rings movies, and the last two Back to the Future movies, um, you're not saying a lot. You, I, I'm just saying. I can't even talk to you about it. But now, I want to say something. Oh, go ahead. I watched part of a movie. Really? Yes. <laughs> what was this? 
Well, it's an older movie. It's, not an, okay. it's a remake of an older movie. So I went in, and this was just last night, so it's still fresh eating away at my mind. Oh, okay. It hasn't uh, fallen through okay. the senility sieve. Um, Where was I? No. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could have hit my head. That's pretty good. If that was true, that would have been really funny. <laughs> so I walk in, and my wife's watching the Tom Cruise, Steven Spielberg, War of the Worlds. Okay. I don't know how far I got into it, but they were hiding in the basement with the survivalist. Have you ever seen this movie? Yes, yes, I have. Okay. Yes. All right. I can simply say what a piece of shit this movie was. Okay. And you ask why I don't watch anything. All right. What a piece of shit. They don't explain anything. Okay. It, it's just stupid okay stupid the aliens look stupid the ships were stupid no 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 okay no no i think the tripod ships look cool and i think the rays and the effects of them turning people to ash real quick like i love i think they did a really good job with that we'll see now so i didn't get to see any of that okay i think the best part to watch that movie is the first like half out like the first 15 minutes or so when the ships first come up that's really yeah, good part it turned into a steven spielberg gotta have a kid movie you know yeah yep yeah, yeah. no the rest yes yeah. i agree and, with you the movie was very disappointing i thought it's it's a pale comparison to the original george pal yes. war of the world i really like the one that was the bbc one that was on a couple of years ago on flicks or not bbc what was i watching i don't know what it there was one on TV that was really good. I thought was pretty cool the way they did it. Um, yeah. Oof. I mean, they never really explained what all the red veining and all that was all about. Well, they did a little bit. It was people. They were misting people and it was growing. They're slowly turning us into their world by yeah, it was by blending dumb. people and spraying okay. them everywhere. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. It was just dumb. Yeah. Okay. And why were the force fields down? Because the bacteria or whatever finally got to them. I, it, it's yeah, something I don't even remember. It's See, been that's, so long. That's what I'm saying. It yeah. was just yeah, so horribly just sucked. Yeah. Okay. That's all. Okay. So there, get- I watched something and it sucked too. <laughs> and to all you Bigfoot believers, I guess there's a new one now. Hairy man. What? You heard of this hairy no, man? No, what do you know? Yeah, the wife had this channel on today while I was doing the carpets, and they were talking about the Alaska Triangle and Hairy Man and oh, Yeti. Okay. And, yeah. right. and some other place where there's obviously another Loch Ness monster thing. And it's like, <laughs> just stop her. No, that just, stuff's all real. Let's no, let's it's just, not real. Take your is, tinfoil hats off. It's real. It's real. <laughs> let's no. let's do our giveaway. How about that? Let's do that. Let's do that. So we have, but, and let's move. I have a bad feeling about buttons today. Uh, escape and how come I'm never in any of the giveaways? No one wants you. We should give me away. See how many entries we get. A weekend with Johansson. A dream like, date. A dream date. A like dream. it's like you're bidding on like, the Bachelor. Like Tiger beat. It's a dream date with oh, Scott Johansson. Oh, God. Oh, man. 
All right, our first giveaway is from Jamie Sai. It's the Bug Woman. It's the first one I got pulled up, ready to go. I am going to get this window going. Uh, web window? Nope. <laughs> Sorry, where is it? Where's the giveaway? Wheel of giveaways. There it is. All right, going to hit shuffle. Scott, tell me when to hit. stop shuffling. Stop shuffling. Spinning. Spinning, spinning, spinning. Stop. And the winner for... The bug woman is How do I say that? the Gura 85. It's probably pronounced something completely different. The Gura 85 has the bug woman. Here we got that one. All right, let me close this. Close. Now let's pick the other web window wheel. Let's show up. It did. Perfect. Mini figs. Oh boy. This is going to be tough. So I'm going to hit shuffle a couple times. We're three sets. So going for, we're going to pick three winners and then I'll sort it out. Cause there's some people that wanted certain ones. And if they won those, I'll try and get them to them. All right. Okay. Scott, tell me when to stop shuffling. Stop shuffling. Spinning. First set of minifigs is. Uh, Daffy. I don't know how to say his whole YouTube name. Uh, he gets. The first set of minifigs. So, Daffy, you got that. And then close this. Remove from the list. Shuffling. Our next set is going to... Dun, dun, dun. Who is it? It is... James Downing. James Downing gets the next set of minifigs. Removing him. Shuffling. Spinning. And our next winner and the final winner of the minifigs is the Doug Black Family 534. Awesome. Okay, I'll get that sorted out and I will get those out to everybody. So back to our normal thing. I love They're all winners I've never heard of before. I know. So that's great to see. First time winners. Yes, first yep. time winners. That's very cool. All right. So our three sets of minifigs. All right. We have two giveaways this episode, Scott. Two. First one, right underneath me. The first one's Vlad Petnicki, our former guest and clubhouse member and artist and model builder, sent us a Ratfinkzilla head to give away. So shifter knob or just a bust. Cool. Is this from your buddy? That might be, but that's okay. Uh, yeah, that's totally fine. So we have this to give away, a, a Ratfink shifter knob, Ratfink Zilla. It's got the fins on the back. So we got this to give away. That's our first giveaway. So down in the comments, type in Ratfink to win that. And then the second one just came yesterday. Just What's in time. that box? What's on that box? What? Let me see that box. Well, there's addresses on the box. Well, I don't care. There's a sticker on the box. Show me the sticker. What's that say? It says Bonehead Beard Care. Oh, okay. So that, sure it wasn't a Bigfoot. No, it is not a Bigfoot. It's Bonehead Beard Care. Let me get it open because I haven't even opened it yet. Watch me cut myself. Oh, that's one thing we didn't talk about in the banter. My injury this week. We'll get back to that. So from Paul Gill and 
Jesse Rubin. I did not mess up a name again. We have the old one. The first one. What was it? The ancient one? What did what did he call it? I don't remember. We have. I don't know, but he did specifically say, can you make sure you get it right? I got and... the name. I got Jesse Rubin's name right. Okay. <laughs> Beautifully sculpted. Here's the base. By Jesse Rubin. Here it is. <gasps> Ooh. It says. And it's got this first cast, Paul Gill. First casting. That's pretty nice. Wait, it goes this way. Vampire Zero is the name of this. There we go. There's the Oh, bust. you finally figured that out, huh? It's on the back. It says Vampire Zero. Oh, okay. Thank you. So, and it's got the cool bat sculpted on the back. So we have this to give away. So we have Rad Frank and Vampire Zero from Paul Gill and Gilman Productions. Uh, for this one, type in Vamp Zero. And we'll put you on the list for this. So awesome. Awesome, awesome stuff. Thank you both for sending in stuff to give away. So that's for next episode down in the comments. Vampire Zero and Ratfingzilla, or both to get entered for both. So that's what we got. So my injury this week, Scott, still hurts. Let's start off by saying Jason has a two filament printers. And the second filament printer he bought Okay, when you open the directions, the first thing they tell you to do. It's not, no, 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 no. It is not the first thing. What, like the third thing they tell it's, you to do? It's, on, it's in the directions. Let's say that. Okay. <laughs> is to change the voltage over to 120. Which Jason ran for about a week complaining about the machine before he realized he hadn't hit that button. No, it was a day. More than a day. I got it figured out. I, I, so, no, you never got it figured out because ever since that, that printer has never worked right. Now he's blamed that is everything true. on the planet but himself. Okay. <laughs> and so, but lo and behold, finally it, it screwed up again, and I he, had it. I'm like, I'm done. He finally goes and gets another one. I bought a new one. Buys a new one. And of course, he can't just build it out of the box. He's got to screw with it. Okay. No, well, I wasn't screwing with it. I was putting all of my, uh, my additional parts on that should be on there, like the other one. And I had to lift it up to look for a firmware number on the bottom. You have to take a thing off, so you have to tilt the whole printer on its side. Oh. But what and happened when you tilted it on the side? So I have it on a bench that's about chest high, waist high. And I'm down kneeling to look at the bottom underneath as it's flipped up. And what do I do? I drop something. I dropped a screw. <laughs> of course you did. And when I went to pick up the screw, I let go of the printer and it became unbalanced. And as I was coming up, clunked me right in the head, fell on my head. The whole 3D printer basically fell on my head. That just hurt my neck, actually. When I, did this on my head. I have a propensity to hit my head and hurt my head nonstop. And it crunched my neck. Like, like I, f I heard it go. So that was crackle. both of your propensities at one time. Dropping yes. stuff. And, and hitting my head. head. All in this matter of five seconds. And then the very next day, I went to get something out of the back of my car. And it's, for some reason, I think there's nothing above my eyes. Is, is how my brain works. <laughs> you know what? I would bet money there's nothing. Uh, I, I know. So okay. I was getting something out of the back of my car, and since it was cold, the hydraulics don't work as well anymore, so it didn't go up as high as it was supposed to. 
I went and crunched my head on the back of my car again, injuring my neck. And now I can't get a good turn. I can't, I, I can't get a good turn. Something's seriously wrong. I should probably go to the doctor. Anyway. Neck cancer. <laughs> All right. I want to announce something we've been talking about for a while. And we finally picked a date. And the live holiday special, the Model Club TV holiday special will be December 30th, 7 p.m. Central Time. That's a Saturday. It is a Saturday. I hope Scott can make it. Uh, if not, you'll replace me with that. Uh, yeah, well, well, he'll be there. It's going to be a big family affair. So what I'm thinking is we will have, you know, Brian will be on. You'll be on for the whole time. Well, all three of us will be on. And we can bring in some special guests. Some send out links and bring them on and just talk to people over throughout the evening. Do some live chat. I was thinking, ask us anything questions. Uh, go for a couple hours. See how it goes. Spend that Saturday you know what would evening. Be cool? Yes. You know what would be cool? If, if the person that's calling leaving the Tucky voicemails. I was going to say that as well. Finally show themselves. And, and because... They deserve the kudos. I will couple this episode. We and, will uh, also have a live call-in segment. I will put the voicemail number up. I'll make sure it works that we can do it live and have people call in. If people want to call, call in, call in we can yeah. interview. Right, and that's what I'm saying. We could do a live call-in segment. Ask us any. We'll do. We'll figure it out. We'll play it as we go. Have a couple giveaways. Couple little guests show up. Holiday hey, special. I'll fall down the stairs. Yeah. We. That, yes, that would be awesome. Live. <laughs> Well, I've stunt work from Scott Joyant. Well, and, you know, back to my comic store. Um, Lori at the comic store had a fantastic idea, and that is I should fall down your stairs and sue you. Okay. No, that, that's not fun. That's a great idea. That's not, that's not fun at all. <laughs> that's a great idea. Sue me for what? <laughs> like, I don't know. You have more money than I do. That's for your car that sucks down eight gallons of oil a week. <laughs> oh, that thing's a beauty. All right. So, yes, the live holiday special, December 30th, 7 p.m. Central Time. It is a Saturday evening, depending on what part of the world you're in. Could be morning, could be late evening. Who knows? So, let's give it a try. I think we'd get wasted. Well, I will during this thing and see how it goes. That'd be great. Yeah. And hey, just so you know, this isn't something we can re-record. Okay. Live. Live, baby. Not like, just so everyone knows, Jason did it again. I just, twice. Twice. In 82 episodes. That he had to re-record. With Brian, which will be live just before this one, a week late. Anyway, so let's get to First things first, I want to share these pictures from Rob Madison. He sent in some completed painted pictures of Scott's and Mike Parks's estate's large mini Godzilla. What do you call it? So, this is the Godzilla. Um, there's very few people in the world I trust more than Rob Madison. So, I gave Rob the files to print himself one. Okay. And Rob didn't print it big. He printed it the size it was scanned, which is the size of the original. Oh, cool. Okay. So this is a definite one-of-a-kind piece that's out there because it's the only one at that size, okay, at this time. So anyway, Rob uh, put this together and painted it, 
And as you can see in the background, Rob's on plenty of medication. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and then there's our little Mike Parks uh, on the bottom. Yeah, very cool. Very and, cool. Uh, I like how he made the eyes black. That That's a nice touch. That's a nice <laughs> touch. So, awesome. Uh, so, and for those of you wondering, the first four of these are shipping. So I am finally catching up on printing, and I am printing these. The people that are on the list are being notified as they're ready. I think I had 11 people on the list. And then once the list is done, they'll be ready. You know, if you want to get on the list, email me, and I'll get you on the list. So, okay. Uh, awesome. But uh, uh, they are getting printed again, so we're we're moving along. All right. We are going to go ahead and skip news and reviews for the most part. Just because it's really, it feels like it was just, we just did this. And when I was looking, I didn't see much new. There's a couple of things, but we'll, we'll probably hang on to them. Um, is there anything you got you want to share? Yes. Because I don't know if I shared this yet on okay. the show. What, what is it? I shared the head. But I did finish printing the bust. No, you have not shared it yet. So, um, this is... The Moohead Kong, scanned and uh, digitally uh, remastered by Michael Berglund. Original sculpt by Matt Manet. That's beautiful. And uh, this is the bust. And I had just printed the head. Okay. And these will be available for, I believe, $50. Excellent. Did you now, print my smaller one them, yet? I can make them larger and price them accordingly. Where's my but, smaller one? Where's my smaller one? I, yeah, I can print them smaller too. I think we'll see. <laughs> so there's more of this figure to come. The yes, but that's thing. a great. That looks fantastic, man. But this is. Uh, I just wanted to see how it came out while I was doing other printing jobs for other people. Because God forbid I print for myself. <laughs> and I think this came out great. So, um, what? Uh, you're you happy with it? Looks pretty good. Yeah, I, I really I can't wait to print a big one. Um, a full one. And you know, I can't wait to. I should dig one out. But the head, I'm wondering how much I'd have to blow it up or shrink it to make it compatible if someone wanted to put it on the Aurora kit. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, cool. That's not a bad idea. So, but I'm not going to modify it to fit it. That's going to be the modelers. You know, I'll, I'll get it yeah. close, but if someone wants one, I'll, I'll figure it out. And, okay. Uh, but for right now, the busts. I have one available, <laughs> but um, actually I've got the build plates lined up and by the end of the week, there's a good chance I should have three or four of those available. Too. So much garbage. But that hair's coming in nice. Dude. All right. Yeah. Isn't it? Look at that. Oh yeah. My Reggie Bannister is cooking. Can have that little ponytail eventually. Loving it. Dirty Sanchez is cooking, but. All right, workbench, Scott. You got anything? No. I do. Ta-da! I finished Snake... Look at you yawning. You son of a bitch. I finished Snake Eyes finally, and here's the Spectrum Man. I printed two... Or painted two of these. Printed, but I painted two of these. One for a friend and one for myself. Finally was able to take pictures of Spectrum Man today when I did the Snake Eyes, but I just finished Snake Eyes the other day, and it's going. It's a gift anyway, so it's leaving the house. But, I hope you uh, don't have to ship it. 
No, I'm going to just bring it to him. So I am very happy that thing thing is done and over with because I don't like snow. Don't like paint and snow. So so turned out pretty good. You said you don't like paint and snow. Snow looks good. Um, how about black? Do you like like shading black? Well, it's, yeah, it's tough. I so there's so many different kinds of blacks on there and dark grays in order to separate certain parts out from one another. It's tough mm-hmm. when something has to be all black because you don't know which way to go with some of it. Some of it should be shiny. Yet. Some of it should be glossy gray. Some should like it's it's tough. And then you have a white wolf on top of snow, which didn't. You have to differentiate those as well. And I no, I but I like that he's not okay. stark white. Yeah, I, I yeah, it, that I worked out very well. Thank you. I think it did turn out pretty good. The way I'm. Can I ask you a question about that wolf? Yeah, and maybe this has been answered. Did it have genitalia? Was this the wolf that had the genitalia? Wait. Let me get it to full screen. It. Don't break it. Come on. Let me get to full screen. Jesus. <laughs> hey, I've never seen something repainted 50 times before. <laughs> and very quickly. <laughs> oh, that's not quite right. Red Should Rocket. Red the, rocket. Red, <laughs> the Red Rocket, the lipstick on him. That would be great. All right. We are at our guest, Danny Sirocco. Uh, speaking of yeah. So yeah, speaking of Red Rockets, we got Danny Sirocco, garage kit legend of Dimensional Designs, one of the early pioneers of the hobby, and I think the conversation went great, and I hope everyone enjoys it as much as we did shooting it. You wearing the same shirt you did when we interviewed him? I did. I tried. Yeah, I had no idea what I wore. So I, <laughs> I, I don't care that much. You're ruining the movie magic. So uh, before we start, anything you want to say? We have continuity issues. I, you know, when I first got into resin casting, because understand I was into resin casting before garage kits, because I was casting two of the rarest Aurora kits at the time. And that's when I first spoke to Danny Sirocco. And um, so I've known Danny like since way back. And, you know, we touch on it a little bit in the interview, but. Um, I don't think I finally met Danny at Wonderfest like years later in person for the first time. But uh it, Danny's always a hoot to talk to and uh yeah. Got some great stories and we'll There's plenty some. more stories. <laughs> I'm just going to say what if you met Danny for the first time, you'd swear he's an Italian from New York. <laughs> okay? <laughs> and so when you find out he was born and raised in California, it just—it's mind-boggling. <laughs> uh, let's get to him, Danny Sirocco.
Hello, everybody. We are back with our wonderful guest, Danny Sirocco. How are you, sir? Good. Hello, Scott. Hello, <laughs> Jason. Start your interrogation. Interrog- yeah. <laughs> yeah. We should have put a big light over him. Going, okay. Back and forth. All right, We Sirocco. have ways of making you talk and smoking. <laughs> we sure do. Uh, how are you? What's up? Okay. Good, good. You good? So for people yeah. that don't know, what part of the world are you in? Where are you? Ukraine. Ukraine. No. <laughs> Keep your helmet on. Keep your helmet <laughs> on. I'm in the USA. All right. That counts. USA works. Uh, my first question, how the hell did you get into all this? Like, where did it uh, start? Like, when was your first inkling? Like, hey, that um, model kit's pretty cool. How did it start? Okay, long story. I'll give you a short version. That's fine. I That's always right. looked into monsters. Hey, not the Terry Webb short version now, the, the no, short, uh, short version, right? I was always into monsters when I was a kid. I always liked monster stuff. And I mean, I think the my probably the first thing that I started making was, you know, creepy crawlers and you know, people people, the Mattel stuff, you know, the little thing maker machine. And actually I when I was a little kid, I, I I used to try selling them in front of my house. I had a little table with you know five cents, ten cents. So I guess that was the start. And then um, I always collected, you know, like monster stuff, magazines, of course, the model kits. You know, when I was a kid, my father would, you know, I'd sit there with the box, and he, he'd paint them. And when I got older, and I got back into kind of, you know, I should repaint these model kits. I'm sorry that I did because. The one kid, the first thing I stripped was a Aurora mummy because he painted it just like on the box, that blue with the, you know, the red dripping blood. And I repainted it. And to this day, I wish I, I would have just left that one alone, you know, for nostalgic reasons. I should have yeah. kept what it was. But I still have like maybe about five or six of the ones that uh, he painted. Some of the other ones I blew up with firecrackers, you know, <laughs> when I was a kid. So then, you know, Later on, probably like around the 80s, I was working um, as a waiter down the wharf. And it was a jazz nightclub called Spats. They had like jazz music, live music. It was like a you know really high-class restaurant. And they had bar- barbecued food. So you have all these people all dressed nice, and you had to give them a bib to eat barbecued ribs. I could never figure it out. But anyway, I walked in. It was uh, one Halloween. And when the bartender tells me, hey, look at this guy, you know, look at this guy's face, you know, and the guy's one side of his whole face is all, you know, it kind of looked like Tarantula, you know, the Professor Deemer from Tarantula. And I go, wow, that's cool makeup. No, we we're just talking. About a week later, the guy came back into the restaurant. And, you know, I, we started talking. I told him I collect masks, and he made masks. So um, the more we talked, we decided, you know, why don't we start somewhere we could sell masks, right? So that's how Dimensional Designs first started. It was me. Uh, his name was Steve McGrath. He's passed away since. And uh, the third guy was a guy named Mitch Heinz. And uh, the first thing we made, we did a 3D 49er on the T-shirt. And I think back then they were like $39.95 or something for. And we had a surfer, a killer whale. And then I, I did a couple of designs, like a hand ripping through the chest. And at the time, uh, there was a, 
couple other guys making masks, Steve Wayne and a guy named Matt Rose. They had a place called Bizarre Creations. And he, he kind of showed us how to do the 3D shirt thing. So we were just selling masks, 3D shirts, shrunken heads. We had Actually, we had a line called Shrunk Punks. They were all like punk rockers, shrunken heads. Wait, what, what year was this, do you think? Like 85. I remember those 3D shirts. I totally... Like- I remember, like, they were, like, ripped shirts, so it looked like you had, like, exposed, like... One like, had, one white. had, one, uh, the one, I, the ones I designed was called, one was called Instant Tourist, and it was just, like, a 3D camera. It looked like you had, a, you know, like, a 35-millimeter camera. <laughs> That's cool. And then there was a hand, and then there was... Um, I remember the hand one. I totally remember that. Well, you know, it was funny, because my partner, we get pissed off, because he sculpted these beautiful, like, he had one who was a surfer right in the tube had like the wave curling over and then he had a killer whale dolphins. I just stuck my hand in a block of cement and molded my hand, you know, <laughs> used the fingers and that was the best seller. He's like, you know, you didn't even sculpt the thing. It's just your hand, you know? <laughs> and then I realized, well, just the idea <laughs> that sells. And then we made some masks. Um, we had one mask that had three eyes. It was called peeping Tom. And, you know, I did like four or five of them. He did four or five of them. And Mitch Hines was just the guy who would paint stuff. But he painted like Norman Rockwell. And I told him, you're wasting your time here with us, you know. You should be selling, you know, <laughs> yeah. painting. So he, he ended up leaving. And then uh, after a few years, uh, Steve left too. And, you know, like this, at that point, it was just our sales were seasonal, you know, Halloween, you know. Yeah. I go, I got to think of something to sell all year round. So um, I guess around, well, it was probably before, eight, well, now maybe 85, 86. Uh, a friend of mine told me, hey, there's this guy, he's got a bunch of, he was into car models. This guy's got a bunch of uh, model kits for sale. I'm going to go over his house and you know see what he's got, the old Aurora stuff. I go, okay. He goes, you want to come? I go, yeah. So the guy was Joe Garcia. And he started Golden Era Models. They put out that six-finger kit, right? So it was funny because when we went to his house, the first thing the guy said to us, I'll never forget, he opened the door, he goes, keep your hands in your pockets. Like, what are we going to do, steal like a, a snake <laughs> off a model kit or something? It just, that irked me, you know? Yeah. But, you know, we went and saw his collection. My friend bought some car models from him. And he showed me Model and Toy Collector. It was just a little you know, paper pamphlet, right? And I look, and there was an article by John Nemec, and it had some pictures on the shelf of you know, his collection. I look, I go, is that a model from Jason and the Argonauts of Talos? And he goes, yeah, you know, there's all kinds of, these are like these garage kit things. I never knew nothing like that existed, right? So he gave me the copy of the issue, and after that, I go, I got to find these things. And he told me, you're never going to find it because that thing was made for some convention in Japan. They're super rare. And at the time, he was remolding Big Frankie. And oh, yes. Was he the guy that did it solid? Like, he, yes. He was. Yes. <laughs> in polyester resin, which yeah. is the same stuff that they use for cool casts, right? It's just, yeah. It was cool cast. They put that uh, marble dust in it. And polyester resin is cheap. It's for five gallons. At that time, it was $75. Okay. 
I remember those it, though, because you couldn't pose it right. It was just all. He, he yeah, it was solid. All in one solid piece. No so rock chain, I don't think. But he asked me, you know, how would you mold something like this? You know, because he was he was in the process of doing it, and basically, it's the same process that we use for doing masks. Where for a mask, you have a, a hard mold, and you make something that's soft, flexible. Well, the resin thing is just the opposite. You use a soft mold, and you, you know you pour something that's going to be hard. I mean, hard. So, um, I told him I'm going to try to find one of those Talos model kits. He goes, "Good luck. You're never going to find it." And um, I didn't even know about the Billiken stuff, but I saw on that in that article there was some some Billiken stuff on the shelf. A Cy- I think it was a Cyclops too. I can't remember, but. Anyway, he goes, oh, the rare one you're never going to find is the Yimra from 20 Million Miles to Earth. And that's like the holy grail. Like I said, but I know these guys, these other collectors that have, I think it was the Centaur, Medusa, and maybe the Three Ghouls, all by Mermaid. And he goes, they'll let me borrow those to mold if I find those other ones. They, you know, they want a copy of the other ones. So anyway, make a long story short, I find the Talos. I started, you know, back in those days, it was just toy shop. There was no internet. Right. There was a place that was called Wolfpack Models. The guy had mostly military models. The guy was in the military, and he had the Talos model. I paid $60 for it. And that was the first resin garage kit I ever got. And I remember when I got it, I showed my brother, and he goes, you paid $60 for that? <laughs> Are you crazy? You know? So then after that, you know, I searched around, and uh, I was looking for the Emer. In the meantime, this Joe Garcia, he wanted to, you know, he goes, let me mold that, and I could sell them. And this guy, he wants one. I can get the Medusa or the Centaur for it. So I'll, I'll get you one of those and trade. So basically, that's how I started. It was just for something to trade. And, you know, he was supposed to give me so much for every one he sold. Well, I found out later... You know, I, he was selling more than what he was telling me he was selling, right? <laughs> so I told him, you just keep that one and do it on your own, you know? But in the meantime, I found the Emer. So when I told him I found the Emer, he already advertised, coming next, the Emer, you know? <laughs> and then I told him, I think I'm going to do that one on my own. Because I just wanted something to trade with other people, you know? Right. And uh, he kind of more or less try to blackball me told people don't deal with this guy you know and you know it was like the resin wars began <laughs> so then from there um i remember there was like a uh, i think it was Starlog or fangora i saw a small ad it was mike evans had an ad and uh it said model i don't remember if there was pictures or it just said billiken cyclops seven voyages sinbad so they were $29, $29 or $39. So I sent away for one. I got the Cyclops. When I seen the things, now this is totally different than the, the other thing is resin. This is like a dog toy. It's vinyl. I, I got to get all these things because the quality was amazing. So I, whatever he had at the time, I think it was a Colossal Man. Um conquer the world but anyway you know i whatever i could get I, I got so then um i go i gotta get more of these bill king kits you know 
So I'd gone to a toy show, and there was a, a toy dealer that was called Kimono My House. And they had a sign saying, we do buying trips to Japan. I used to buy from that guy. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even know what a building kit was. I brought in the directions. It had the address and everything. Yeah. And they start carrying all the Billiken stuff. So then everyone was getting their Billiken kits from, from them. So I remember when I was at Joe Garcia's house and he first showed me that catalog, he goes, this guy in LA did this. And he showed me a picture and it was Jeff Yeager's Curse of the Werewolf. And he goes, you know, look at this. I said, wow, yeah, that's really nice. So really the only time, I mean, really the only guy making resin kits Jeff was like probably one of the first guys that, that really had a good quality, you know, resin kit. I want so, to interject here real quick, Dan. This is all too before recasting was the base oh, yeah. of everything. You know, there was nothing uh, to recast. Yeah, there was nothing to recast. I mean, if you got something, it wasn't like this big hobby that you were hurting or anything. Yeah, like okay. like I said, those things yeah. like that. Talos was only sold. At a Wonderfest show in Japan, I was told. Mm-hmm. So, you know, by letting him recast it, I got a centaur, I got um, Medusa, and then it was the three ghouls. I think it was those three. But then, you know, I started thinking about, you know, why don't we start making this stuff over here? That's stuff I could sell all year round, you know? So, I, if you look back at some of those old, I think, kid builders or you know, mall and toy collector before it became amazing figure modeler. I think there's an ad that says coming soon. You know, I married a monster. Oh, it was the Morlock. I think it was the Morlock uh, for the time machine. Mm-hmm. First, you know, U.S. garage kit. I have an ad in there for something. <laughs> and um, shortly thereafter, I, I met Randy Bowen. And uh, how did you was, meet him before? Like, how did you meet Randy Bowen then? Like. He called, I think, from what I remember, he called me up, he introduced himself, says, are you interested in training for any stuff, you know? And I said, yeah, you know, so when he came over, we did some training, and I go, so what are you working on? And he goes, I'm doing, um, it wasn't, the, yeah, no, he was doing the Morlock. He goes, I'm doing the Morlock for a place called, called Lunar Models. That was, that's right, that's the only other guy that was out at the time, was Lunar Models. And Resin from the Grave was just starting. So at that time, Lunar Models was doing all the vacuum form spaceships and that kind of stuff. And Randy goes, well, the first thing I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing a, a Morlock kit for this company called Lunar Models. And I was like, oh, wow. you know." So I had the armature started everything. Scrap that. So <laughs> at that time, uh, there was a friend of mine who was doing a student film. It was called Covert 14. And they wanted some makeup stuff where they were inter- I mean, interrogating the guy and torturing him. So, you know, they hired me to do the thing. And working on that film, I, I met Chris Koning. He was into animation stuff. So I hired him to do... Um, I think the first thing he did for me was uh, Gordon Clatu from The Day the Earth Stood Still. And then I come to find out Lunar Miles is doing a Gordon Clark too. <laughs> you know? So uh, it was already done by then. And uh, so at that point then, you know, I kind of kept in touch with, with Mike and 
Mike Fisell started Resident from the Grave. They had just put out that uh, Tor Johnson kit from Plan 9 from Outer Space. And uh, actually, John Nemec, the guy who did the article on all those model kits that I had seen, who was the guy who sculpted it. So we would always keep in contact. You know, I said, well, since you're doing that, you know, what else you got planned on doing? You know, in the old days, we stayed in touch with everybody. Okay, you're doing this? Okay, I'll do something else, you know? Because basically, I was just doing stuff I like for myself. I figured right. if I'm crazy, it's going to be somebody else crazy, you know, that wants it. <laughs> but that's how it started. So basically, I would hire a guy to do something and make a mold. And I would just, I would trade them for other things, right? But then there were some guys that had nothing to trade. And they go, well, I, I want to get one of these. How do I get it? Well, what do you got to trade? I don't got nothing. <laughs> so we had to put a price on it, you know? So basically, just figured out, okay, the cost of the resin, you know, the time, what it costs for the sculpture. And as long as I make my money back, where I can make enough money back to hire guy to do something else, you know, and just keep it going. And that's how I, I mean, that's how I started doing all that wow. stuff. Man. And do you, do you remember meeting that Johansson guy for the first time on the phone? I remember talking to you. Um, Cause I, I was trying to get all the Aurora stuff that I didn't have that I, or if I blew up and I think it was the Thronester. You, you I had a Thronester first and I did the go-kart. Yeah. I, but I, yeah, I remember, I think I got some mummy, mummy chariot parts from you. That would have been no. You might have got those from Kurt Kraus. Oh, Kurt Kraus, you're right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, yeah, so Danny was like one of the first garage kit guys I ever talked to, and Mike Vasella was actually one too. I talked to him early on when he was first starting, and uh, you know it should be noted, and you did too back in the day. But man, Vasella used some big names back in the day, Dennett and. Uh, I, I loved all my, and, and it was funny because yeah. if I go to Mike's house, he'd have all Mike's. Because the deal I had with Mike was whenever I did something new, I just sent it to him, and whenever mm -hmm. he did something new, he just sent it to me. And if I go to his house, he'd have all my stuff built up and painted. And, you know, in my house, I have all his stuff built up and painted. Very few of my own, you know, my own things. You know, <laughs> do you? But, do you uh, how much stuff do you actually paint? Are you more of a collector when it comes to the kits? We'll talk other, about other collection stuff later. But when it comes to model kits, do you build and paint a lot of it? Or are you just I try to. I try to, you know, like the last stuff I started doing is a lot of times in the old days, I literally would take a box. I put all these built ups, a big box, right? I put as many built ups as I could in that box. I fill it up with popcorn. I put a sheet of cardboard on top of that. Lay out a whole bunch of other buildups, fill it up with popcorn. I shipped that to a show. I'd have you know like thirty models all built ups at a show. I spent you know first two hours of the show gluing everything back together. You know they're all broken, and then I would sell them at the show, so I would never have like a buildup for myself, right? Because I yeah. can go rather than ship them back, I, I'll just sell them. So I made it a habit to start painting two of everything. So if I'm going to paint a display. I'll pay one for display and one, you know, one for me. I mean, it takes the same amount of time. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, you say, oh, I'll do it later. You, you never get around to it. I mean, I started looking in my shop. I mean, I got kits all over because when I did shows, I traded with everybody. You know, I come back 
with the boxes of kits and a couple guys helping me, you know, they go through this stuff. You know, this is like two, three thousand dollars worth of stuff if you were to pay for it. I didn't pay nothing. I traded, you know? Yeah. So I look around, I mean, I got stuff going back from the early nineties. Where the hell am I gonna put all this stuff if I build it? <laughs> Agreed. I'm in the same boat. I know. I mean, yeah. And why I'm still <laughs> buying stuff. Like I said, it's the sickness, you know? It is a sickness. <laughs> Speaking of shows, like help him, help Danny with his sickness. <laughs> yeah, we could, we could probably buy some of that stuff. Speaking of shows, when you think back to the like all the shows that there have been and still are, what are some of your favorites besides Wonderfest? Like I'll tell you, that you've I'll tell you a, good story. a good story. First show I ever did out of out of state was in I think ninety or ninety one. Was in Albany, New York. It was Fantico put on a show. I'd never been out of state. So I asked, there was a customer that was buying stuff for me named Tony Salcinas. He was just a collector. That he'd be later on became resonator and rebel resin, right? I told him, Hey, I'm coming out to New York. If I send you a bunch of boxes, can you drive them to Albany? And I'll put you up in a hotel with your wife and everything. I can see this going bad already. No, <laughs> I, I actually did that, right? All okay. right. So Mike Ruffalo, who started Billiken USA, he wanted to do the show with me, right? So he goes, oh, can I send him stuff too? Yeah, you know. So we go to the show. And the only reason why I went to that show was because Basil Gogos was there. And I wanted to meet Basil Gogos, right? And uh, so we get to the show. We're setting up. Mike Ruffalo pulls out the Billiken Yemer. And he goes, look. And I go, oh, wow, the Emer. I go, why'd you even bring that? I go, you, you cannot sell them. It's so rare. Oh, just for display only, you know? I go, somebody's going to steal that, <laughs> you know? And he goes, you think so? I go, oh, hell yeah. You know, somebody will steal that thing. And he goes, no, they won't. So I go, oh, how can you say that? He goes, fishing line. So he tied around the ankle of every model kit piece of fishing line right and they were all attached to the shelves the display shelves you know you could pick it up and look at it and put it down but it was you know like it was handcuffed to the <laughs> it's not really halfway, a bad idea though when you yeah, think about it i mean yeah. halfway through the show it's sitting there all of a sudden boom all the shelves everything some guy just grabbed it and went running from all the shelves with all those <laughs> all those displays. What? To tie to it, dragging down the aisles. <laughs> Stop like halfway. You know? I'll never forget that. that oh my I, god. So what happened? Did people jump did, on the dude or did he just took off? <laughs> and he dropped it, you know, he figured, oh shit. It was like a you know like, like I just got married, you know, with cans. Yeah. <laughs> just married with Billiken kids. With Emers behind the car. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, that that show was a, a really good show, though. It was a fun show. And then there was a show they used to have uh, out here at the San Mateo Fairgrounds. It was called the PMA Show. And they had, like, 300 vintage automobiles. They had a separate room for rock and roll collectibles, ephemera, toys. That was like my favorite show to do. But the show was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Started at like, I think, 
10, 10 in the morning till 10 at night. It was oh, a long show. Oh, my God. I always I always would find, I mean, there was uh, everything was at that show. And then what happened is one year they invited eBay to come there. And eBay had a booth. And eBay was just starting out. And eBay was telling everybody, you know, you can stay at home and just on your computer, you can list, you know, items. You don't have to rent a hotel. You don't have to drive out here. You don't have to set up your table. And little by little, less and less dealers start going to that show. And people, you know, eventually that show, they ended up selling to somebody and then became half the size. And then it was done. But that was my favorite show. There's one here that goes till three in the morning. Like it's 10, like overnight on a flea market. That uh, flea market out there. It goes till three in the morning. I think it's open like 10 a.m. to like three in the morning. The weekend of horrors. That was great. Um, I used to go to those a lot. I used to go to those. Well, a lot. They used to have it just one time a year in LA. And that's yeah. when it was great because everybody saved up, you know, for that one show. But then they got greedy and they start having them all over the place. Yep. I used to go to the one here in Chicago at Odeon. Yeah. So when did you start going to Chiller? Chiller, the, uh, actually, when Kevin started Chiller, it, it's funny how I met Kevin Clement. Because I was looking for uh, Mark's uh, Frankenstein, Walking Frankenstein. And Tony Salcinas, who was a customer, told me, you should call this guy. He has a lot of old toys. Okay, so call up Kevin and talk to him. And he goes, oh, where you at? He goes, California. Oh, California. He goes, yeah, there, yeah, man, there's a guy out there. He has a big collection. He starts describing my house to me. Yeah, I never met Kevin. He goes, yeah, he's got this cabinet on the third shelf there's a war of the world's martian and as he's talking about i'm looking <laughs> and it's everything on my shelf he's describing you know you're like, looking hey, around for the camera like <laughs> that's my house you know and what happened was i had a couple guys that were customers they came by visiting you know san francisco and there was one or two of them that i let film you know all the stuff in my house and then later on i found out they were selling videotapes of like people's collection of shows. Oh, you know. So, <laughs> I had one time guy came. I don't want to mention the name, but Scott, you know, he passed away now. But he came with his family, and uh, I think I was going to ask this about this story. Is that uh, that our friend that taught me how to cast? Um... His first name was Bill. Oh, that Bill. Okay, I was thinking somebody yeah, else. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, the guy was with his whole family. I was in the mailman. I hear him come upstairs, like, oh, okay. Hold on a sec. So I walk out of my house and go get the mail. Boom, they close the door. I was locked out of my house. And they're paying. Open the door. There's nobody opened the door. You know, his whole family was in my house. <laughs> After that, it's like, I don't think I want to have anybody over anymore, you know? <laughs> hey, fill in their pockets. Yeah, we'll be right there. We'll get it in yeah. a minute. Oh, no, he was a good guy. He was, he was a good guy. He was a good yeah. guy. I was going to ask you about uh, the gentleman that taught me to cast, who was a complete character. Oh, I know who. Uh, Mr. Mark Mark Stalick. And uh, super guy. He was a good guy. But uh, he would go to Chiller, and I think Danny was the one that told me uh, he'd put on a freak show. What would he do, Danny? You know what? The one time he was there, he put on the freak show. He goes, I'm going to do the freak show. I go, what do you do? He goes, oh. 
I, you know, eat glass, you know, nail, put a nail in my nose and all that. Oh, great. What time are you going to do it? He goes, well, before, you know, the dead Elvi play and all that, you know, in between acts. <laughs> okay, so we went out to eat. I came back. I missed the whole freak show thing. I was pissed. I go, man, I missed it. Don't worry. I'll give you a private show in your room. So he goes, because I got to shit out of all this glass. You mind if I sit in the bathtub with hot water for about an hour so I can you know, get rid of all this glass? <laughs> I said, okay, fine. But I have it on tape too, Scott. Oh my I, God. <laughs> and it's like, you know, up close, he did it. He ate the glass, he, he did the nails, he did all that stuff. He was a good guy, Mark. What are you like putting? Didn't you tell me he was poking himself with pins or something too? Or yeah. Yeah. Pins to the arm. But you know what's funny? Like when he, when he pulled out the nail and he's going, ding, 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 ding. You know, he, we were just looking. Even my, my one friend, Funyar, was there. He goes, oh, wow. You know, because I mean, when he's in that nail, it's going, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and, and Mark goes, probably, I feel there was a certain name, a certain kind of little hammer, but it made a lot of noise. And you just hold that nail and you go, ding, 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 ding. And it sounds like it's, it's really going in, you know? Ah. Well, it was funny because at that time he had some young girl with him, and they needed some place to crash. I said, "Well, just you could sleep here, you know." So he was sleeping, and then the girl wanted another pillow, <laughs> and she goes, "Mark, can we have another pillow?" He was sleeping. She didn't give a. She didn't care. She just pulled the pillow right from under his head. Boom! The guy's head at the floor. He was, you know, he was so tired from doing the shows and crapping <laughs> uh, out the glass in my in my bathtub that you, oh you know, he never woke up. But oh yeah, those are you know, those are the fun things that happen at shows. Oh man, <laughs> I'll tell you another real funny one, real yeah. quick. Oh, for sure. Mark was a good guy, though. I got I got to come back and say, first of all, Mark was a great guy, a very intelligent guy. Yes, yeah. and also one yeah, of man. the best gravity casters. If not the best mold maker and gravity caster I've ever seen, he, he taught me a lot, uh, all gravity molds and all that stuff. You know, like I said, he was he was a very intelligent guy. He was willing to share stuff. You know, he, he wasn't one of those guys. Oh, I'm not going to tell you. You know, he goes do it this way. You know, angle the piece this way. I still use some of the things that he you know he had taught me. I I did too. I went up to his house because you know he lived close to me, and with my dad and. You know, he showed me, so actually sold me some silicone at the time and told me where to get stuff. And yeah, he was using Dow Corning back in the day. I think 3110 was the Dow Corning. It was expensive. You just get a little thing of it. You know, he was super cool about sharing stuff. He, was. he had told me about the mold release spray, polyester parafilm. Mm -hmm. He was just buy that stuff, you know, and your molds will last a lot longer. And I remember when I, I called the place, they go, oh, we're discontinuing that. They're or something about the, the Freon or whatever. And they're discontinuing it because at that time I, I was using polyester resin. And that, you know, that stuff took like 40 minutes to mm -hmm. set up. And uh, it's like glass. If you drop it, it shatters. Your smell is like I go home, I, my, my clothes, everything smelled like it. And then you had to wait 40 minutes. You open up the mold. Oh man, the finger didn't come out. You got to pour another one, another 40 minutes. Yeah, then I found out about your thing. But that stuff was cheap. It was, like I said, it was yeah. $75 for five gallons, you know? So, but it, all right, I, give us the other story. You were going to give us another chiller story, I think. So. Another chiller story. Oh, yeah. So there's one chiller story. 
and my friend, I, I helped him. He wanted to start a resin company, right? So I helped him do it. I used to, actually, when Tony Salcino started Resonator, he didn't know how to mold stuff. So I would literally fly in the day before. Like if the show was, you know, like Saturday and Sunday. I fly in like maybe Thursday or Friday. As soon as I get there, I'd lay out whatever had to be molded, okay? So by Friday, we lay it all out with pour silicone. Saturday, after the show, do the second half of the mold. Sunday morning, pouring, he's been pouring kits to sell, right? <laughs> Another friend of mine that I helped start, he had a better idea. He brought the molds to the hotel. He would just pour the stuff up in his hotel room, right? <laughs> so one time, he goes, come up here, I'm pouring a resin. Okay, so I go up there. And uh, there's resin all over the floor, the carpet. He's got two ten, you know, he's got ten gallons of resin there. There's resin all over the carpet. I go, holy crap, you know. You know, don't <laughs> worry. He, he just slide the bed over. And in the corner of the room, he pour all his resin. And he didn't care what was on the carpet or nothing. And he just, once he was done, he just slide the bed over it, you know? Do I know this individual? Well, he passed away. Oh, okay, okay. I think. Yes. Okay. I, I thought it was this recaster I knew who also would pour in the room. and. Oh, uh, I mean, I've been in shows where a guy bought a kill. He goes, it's still hot. We were pouring him under the table, guys, you know? And he gave me a kid, it was still hot. <laughs> Terry, Terry Webb told me that Mike Parks used to pour in the van on the way yeah. to the show. Okay, that he would pour kits in the van on the way to the show. So like if we were going to LA and there was like we had like little creature pins or different kind of little things that had to be packaged. Yeah, on the way down, we just you know stapling you know header cards on and packaging stuff. He had you know six hours to kill. You know. Speaking of Terry, when was the first time you met Terry? Mr. Terry J. Webb. I think uh, the first time I, I called him up. Had you seen his books? Like, were you like, oh, that's the guy that wrote the book? Or I, 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 I supplied yeah. a lot of photos he used for those books. Yeah, okay. Um, I think the first time I, I called him up, uh, there might have been, a, it was like a newsletter. That, I forget what it was called. I still have it. Was it the garage? When he was it was the garage. Yeah, okay. I said, hey, my name is so-and-so. And he goes, oh, you're Joe Garcia's buddy. Because like I said, Joe Garcia had <laughs> tried to blackball me. And I think I had an ad for just uh, a few resin kits or something. And then, yeah, then after that, you know, at Chiller, I used to help judge the model contest, and Terry was one of the judges, too. You know, those were the fun days. <laughs> what was your first Wonderfest? I don't remember. I think I missed, I didn't go to the first two or three. Okay. You know, what year was Harry in there? That was 97, the 90, first yeah, time, first 97. Time, yeah. yeah. So. Or was it 96? I'm sorry, 96. And 96. which one of is that? Like the fourth one? That was the sixth one, actually, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. I remember the Harry one. I don't remember. Possibly go going to it, you know, before that the Harryhausen one, but I've been to everyone since. And Has like, it always been in that hotel since you've been going. 
Yes, that's when they had that other nice. They had the different bar setup where, yeah, uh, John, yeah. John okay. from Janice used to do the pre-party, pre-release yeah. for all the Janice kids. What was that bar called? Um, the uh, hold on. the Lizard Lounge thing. That's yeah. it. Yeah. No, they. Yeah, but the bar was called. The bar was something else. Damn it! When they used oh, to have the I band bet. play too, they used to have a band play. Yeah, but I. Oh, what the hell was that bar called? Oh yeah, well, I don't know. And I've seen it recently because the discussion has been brought up over and over. Somebody in the comments, tell us what the bar was called. <laughs> well, you know, you had asked me about Chiller. The first show I ever did, it wasn't called Chiller. It was called Horathon. That was the first show that Kevin put on, and he had a partner named Charlie. And the first guest they had was uh, Zachary and uh, Jonathan Harris. And then the second year, they had, it was Eddie Munster, and I think maybe Zachary again. And I remember at the time, the security guy, Sean McLaughlin was the head of security. Uh, somebody had stole, this, the other partner for, for Horathon had brought in a forty-five that, uh, it was Eddie Munster did a song, Whatever Happened to Eddie. Gun? Oh, okay. I thought you meant a gun. <laughs> right, it was it was a, a forty five record that Butch Patrick did. It was called "Whatever Happened to Eddie." It was like a punk rock song, and the guy wanted to have you know Butch Patrick sign it, and uh, somehow it got stolen from where the security office was. So he had to question all the security people. You know, like I got we got somebody here who's a thief. You know, and. Um, Later that night, he, him and Butch Patrick's, I guess his wife or his girlfriend, went out to go party or something. They go back to the hotel. and walked in the room. There's the 45 in the bed. Butch Patrick stole it. That's what this guy said. <laughs> and he got pissed off because he accused all the security guys. Yeah. And, and the, the guest was the guy who stole it. According oh to God. him. You know? You know that first Harry Allegedly. Housen, The first Harry Housen was the seventh Wonder Fest. Okay. Then I, I, I'd been to a few before that then. Yeah, so the other ones would have been in the Holiday Inn, though. The uh, They would have been in a different hotel. So, so uh, dude, I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. Plus, ha- plus Harryhausen was there the twice. So it could have been the second time. Yeah. I didn't go to, like, the first, second, or maybe third one. Am I yeah, right? Harryhausen was in 03 as well. So he's 97 and 03 was Harryhausen. So. I think... The first time we went, I went have been with Kenito. He had just done, he did the Greenhorn and Cato. Okay. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember those. I remember because we got the table. He said, you can't sell anything in the hotel room. Then we got there. There was signs all over. You know, Bottles for sale. Go to room. <laughs> Something it was waiting to Dane Hanson. He had all these ads. <laughs> Every floor of the elevator went, you know, it said bottles for sale. You know, this room, you know. That's why I, I met Wayne. But that was the fun of meeting everybody, you know, because, well, back then there was no internet. Either yeah. You play shop, and then you just networked. You talk to people, you yep. know? My first Wonderfest, I didn't meet anybody because I was too nervous to talk to anyone. I think I've talked about this on the show. Like Larry Brackney, I was so afraid to go up and talk to him just because I, I knew all these people from the Gremlins list, but I would never, like, I just couldn't go up and talk to him. So I was like, oh, there's that. I know who that is. You know, it's funny about Gremlins. I, you know, I talked to a lot of guys back then. I had my wife type, you know, 
we do chats or whatever. She would type my response or whatever, right? And <laughs> I need a secretary. When I, when I was doing chiller, hey, I'm doing chiller. Oh, we're going to chiller. Okay, well, come by and say hello so I can put you know a face with the voice. And like nobody, you know, I see these guys with badges and gremlins in the crotch. Yeah, but like they're afraid to talk. That was me. <laughs> was I, I remember Chinsy was the only, really one of the only guys that. Of know, course, of course. Came up and I talked. I still, you know, I see him in one place every year. And then you run but, the other way. Then you run the other way. <laughs> oh, he's a good guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, then that gremlins thing. He ended up just closing it off and. Uh, I think he gave it to his niece or something to run, you know. But at the time, that was like the one only garage kit thing. You, know, you don't have contact info for Dennis, do you? That ran Gremlins. For Dennis ben, Dennis Bohm, right? Is for that who? how he said it? The guy that Dennis ran Bohm. Gremlins yeah. in the garage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dude! If you can try, I want I want to get him on our show to talk All about. Right. It. Like I've been, I sent who I thought like the only contact info I was able to find. We could edit this up. Uh, I sent him an email and never heard back. So, like, I'm not sure if it was him or not. So, I'd love to get him on at some point. Yeah, because actually, my uh, the website when I when I got the website for some reason I got the name through him, and then he had told me, you know, you might want to put everything in your name, you know, because it was still like under a Gremlins in the Garage thing, you know. Yeah. And mm -hmm. uh, I know a couple of the emails I had problems. I had a hard time switching it over to my name. And, um, you know, I had to get the okay from him, you know, and I had to prove, like, you know, he, he agreed to it, you know, and, uh, I know a couple of emails I had, I have about four or five emails, but one of them is going to be good. Okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. That's no hey, problem. It's worth a shot. It's worth a shot. You should, have him, you should have him on. I'd love to have him. I'd love to have Dennis on. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, the Gret, like, I don't think. Were you on the mailing list too? Like when that first started, did you get on that? Where you get home and you have a hundred emails <laughs> from Ed Bokley fighting with somebody, from Ed Bokley <laughs> fighting with someone, or you know, it was crazy. It was crazy the early days. I never did a lot of internet stuff because I joined. There's a couple of music uh, sites where guys were trading, you know, recordings, rare recordings, mm -hmm. and you know, I. I listed like three or four th things that, you know, like I had live stuff I've wanted looking for traders and I start getting hundreds of emails every day. Kiss sucks. Uh, you know, I, I didn't join anything to hear guys bashing people. I just wanted to join to trade with people. And I met like four guys and I stayed in touch with those guys and we just traded, you know, CDs back and forth. But even like with the Gremlins thing, I'd only go on like, Maybe once a week when they they had like a chat thing just to answer yeah. questions, you know. Man, it was. I remember the chat. I remember, I remember the, the chats too. It's so weird how different the internet is from when it started. Like how innocent and not innocent it was because it was never innocent, but it was so free and open, and you could kind of do whatever you wanted. And now it's just you're kind of corralled into certain spots. But man, when I, I was miss, doing I eBay, nobody knew what eBay was. I remember the very first thing I ever did on eBay. It was a postcard signed by Boris Karloff, a 1932 postcard or something. And I was the high bidder, you know, up to the last day. Like, oh, wow, I'm not, I'm not. you know, it was like $90, $80. And at the last second, bam, 
I got beat out by two dollars. And I'll never forget the guy's name was Stryker. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, dude, the vengeance trying to find that guy for all these years. Yeah. Oh, bitch. And then I learned a lesson. It's tattooed okay. on your arm, Stryker. <laughs> I learned a lesson. You don't bid on until the very end. Yeah. You know, bid early. I mean, somebody else is going to bid, and you end up bidding more and more yourself. So then, what I don't, what I would do is, if I wanted to win some, I wait till the very last minute. I throw in a bid. As soon as I, my bid went in, I back, go back, and I throw another bid, for like you know, say say the thing was one hundred fifty dollars, I would always go like one fifty two. And thirty three cents, you know, <laughs> it was an oddball, but I, it was a backup, bid, you know, enough to where if somebody outbidded me, by the time you know, because I wait till the last second, you know, now they have snipe programs and yeah, all that. Yeah. yeah, that's just not fun anymore. It's just. Yeah. But I remember eBay. You would search, let's say, you search garage kits or resin kits. Okay, you'd maybe get a hundred hits when it first started, and that was it. That's all you were gonna see. I remember searching King Kong in the early days. Maybe you'd get three pages of shit. Now do it. Holy crap. You know, it, it, it's... Well, like I said, when, when I started, you know, it was me, uh, like that Fantico show that I did where they did the thing with the Yemer. The only other guy that were models was Daniel Faye. I think Screaming just had the Freddy. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, Book in USA, uh, me, and... Uh, Kim Ito. Actually, Kim Ito, I met him uh, doing, there was a, a good show. It used to be uh, down the, uh, the Buena Park. Uh, it was a rare model uh, kid expo. They had everything there. But the guy who ran it was really weird. Like, you know, it was like, you know, I think $2 to get in, okay? If you gave the guy a dollar and four quarters, you weren't getting in. No <laughs> coins allowed. No coins accepted. <laughs> exact money, exact change. Ticket Nazi. Move along. <laughs> One time, my one friend, he did the show. He sold all his stuff. He got sued. He had to pay like three or four hundred dollars because the contract says if you sell everything, you have to stay at the show till the end of the show. He left the show. He had nothing to sell. You know, oh, it's how crazy that show got. Oh my god. What? Let's go back to dimensional designs for a little bit. Yeah. Um. When I look through all your stuff, you have lots of different sculptors you've worked with. How did yeah. you, was it just one of those things where it came to like, like work in a trade in the beginning or were there certain guys you like to work with for certain topics or just like someone came to you with something? Like, how did you go about picking people to work with sculptor wise? In the beginning, like I said, when I, when I worked on that, that student film, I met Chris Coyne. He was into animation stuff. So I hired him to do Gordon Clatt too. So then they said, well, we start doing, you know, like by then I had gotten the Cyclops from Billiken and that stuff. So I said, oh, you know what? I always liked the Harryhausen stuff. So he was good at, he was like an animator. So he, you know, he liked doing that stuff. So I hired him to do all that Harryhausen stuff. And then when Geometric came around, they had a licensed Cyclops. I got a cease and desist for all that Harryhausen stuff. So I couldn't sell it anymore. But what happens, it automatically, that stuff all of a sudden became collectible. Then all of a sudden, everybody wanted it. You know, and so I could trade them, but I couldn't sell them, you know. And then I figured, okay, well, now, I mean, after all the money I, I spent 
hiring guys to do, you know, hiring him to do all those sculptures. Now I can't do anything with him except trade him, right? So then I hired Randy Bowen. Because at that time he had just finished for Mike Fussell, the Manster, and uh, I think it was Man Made Monster. He did those those two. So I told Randy, I need you know a couple sculptures. You know, are you still doing it? Yeah. So he ended up doing the Exorcist for me in the bed, and the Salem's Lot Barlow, and then It's a Terror. He did It's a Terror too, and then. Um, I hired other people according to like some guys were good at capturing likenesses, you know, and uh, some guys were better for doing monster stuff. So it was just, you know, over the years meeting people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Best seller. Best seller. Hard to say, you know. Um, I would say if you look at. In terms of a series, the Midget Monster stuff did really well. Mm-hmm. And I, over the years, I had a lot of guys offer to do them for me. But you know, the Midget Monsters, the way it started, Randy Lampert sculpted that little Frankenstein as a gift when my daughter was born. I go, you know, this is really cool. You know, you should do more of them. And then he, did, he goes, yeah, okay. So then he did Dracula. And, and then um, I hired him to do a few other things. And the first thing, he, uh, full one six scale kitty did was the body snatcher, and then you know he did Fu Manchu, um, a black cat, and in between doing those, if he got frustrated working on those, he knocked out one of those little, you know, midget monsters, you know. So probably the midget monster stuff, uh, good outer limit stuff because it's a series, you know. Mm-hmm. Guys are gonna buy, you know, one, two, three maybe four or five kids you know it didn't start out that way but um yeah our know, friend phil uh kupka had most yeah. of them didn't he well, matter of fact phil last time i talked to him he, he would always call me up going when you have another out limits thing done <laughs> uh, i don't know you know he goes you mind if i try doing a couple he was working on a couple of them you mm-hmm. know and i just said yeah just you know Sooner or later, I'll get around to him, you know. And then, you know, I, I, there was one time where I wanted to do a whole lot of zombie things. So I hired, uh, was let me see, Harry Inman, John Cole. Uh, John Cole, he didn't even know what sculpt, you know, I sent him sculpting, sculpting tools, everything. When I got the thing, it literally fell apart in my hands. It wasn't even cooked right. And, uh, Wait, you I had to send know. the sculptor sculpting tools and sculpting. <laughs> I used to send sculpting and, and all. Back then, look at it this way. Just think about it. Now, you want to do a kit, okay? You go on the internet, type in okay, uh, the human monster or man-made monster. All your references there. Those yeah. days, I go to, when I go to Chiller, because the first two Chiller shows were called Horathon. Then he changed it to Chiller, okay? I would I would go I'd stay at Tony Salcinus's house in New Jersey. I help him do his molds, do all that stuff. I try to teach him. I go, what happens if I die? You're gonna have to learn how to make molds. So I taught him, right? And then after the show, I go, okay, let's go into Manhattan. There was a place called Jerry Ollinger's. It's still there. He died now. And you go in there, and you go, okay, I want to see uh, what he got. Vincent Price. They bring out a binder. You flip through it. 
pull out whatever pictures you want, Vincent Price, they sell them to you. You know, there's another place called Cinema Collector World in LA. It's the same kind of place, except there you point to the binder what you want, and all of a sudden, five minutes later, they hand your pictures all wet. They just they just printed it right there. <laughs> gotcha. You know? Yeah. But that's that's where you got the reference from. You know, there that's was crazy. no internet. Yeah. Famous yeah, I didn't even think about that. Like if you were looking for reference then, there was none. Like none. Unless you had a book. Well, and there were no screen grabs. You weren't no taking screen, screen right. grabbing anything or anything like that. It was uh, Yeah. Yeah. It was all like from old famous monsters. I mean, I have all my famous monsters from when I was a kid. So I'd always go through famous monsters, fantastic monsters, fantastic creatures, all whatever monster like I said, I was into that since I was a yeah. kid. You know? But again, I just would always do things that I, I thought of if I'm crazy enough, you know, to like it, there's gotta be somebody else out there that's mm-hmm. crazy, you know. To like it like me. <laughs> when I, I think when we did my when... um one of our what's in the bin episodes, the midget monsters, I think I did pull all those out. So I think we did show those. I'm telling you, that's what I really enjoy because it reminds me of me going through stuff, you know, like Somebody go, hey, you have this kid. I go, yeah, if you want, I'll sell it to you. But I gotta find it, you know. And <laughs> like I said, when I when I went through a divorce, I kind of compacted everything into one box. So I could open a box. It says one thing, and it'll be like, oh, I forgot about this. You know, I forgot about that. A lot of times, I find things, something else, when I'm looking for for, for something completely different. You know, Danny sold me one of my most. Uh controversial shirts i ever had i was gonna talk about that go ahead yeah the, the king kong died for our sin shirt <laughs> um loved it loved it and man so many I, people would look you at know me the story go, you know the story wrong. i want to hear but, the story that's why i was gonna bring it up <laughs> i, I should have wore it i should have wore it for the episode when i was a kid it was like fifth or sixth grade i went to school catholic school and i had a button that said king kong died for our sins <laughs> The nuns went crazy. They sent me home. I bought, there was like a hippie poster. It was called Poster Mat. You know, a hippie poster place. They had all kinds of, buttons were big then, right? Yeah. Yeah, the one just said, just the words, King Kong died for our sins. That's sacrilegious, boy. And they sent me home. So I told the story. We're at dinner. It was after one chill show in New York. And Rich Hilliard was there. And he was laughing. He goes, you know what? That'd make a good shirt. I go, if you're drawing, I'll make a shirt. So he did. He did did that drawing, right? And for years, even the original shirt was white, white shirt, and it was printed in black. For years, guys asked me, you still got that King Kong Die for a Sin shirt? Especially this guy. He would always ask, remember that King Kong Die for your Sin shirt? Yeah. I remember the last 10 I got, I sold to a priest, a priest bonnet. He was a big King Kong fan. I what are you doing with 10 of them? Oh, I'm going to give them to all my friends. Okay. So I ran into the guy who ran those shirts a few years ago. I go, hey, Pat, do you still have the screens for that King Kong die for a sin shirt? The guy looked at me laugh. The screens, everything's digital now. You know, <laughs> we don't got screens no more. <laughs> like, we don't need no stinging badges. It's like, we ain't got no screens. Goes, but if you have one of the shirts, bring it down, we'll scan it, you know? And I, I called Rich Hilliard to see if he had the original artwork still. I guess he couldn't find it. He goes, I'll just draw another one. I go, oh, no, 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 no. 
So I ended up, I, I, I bought one of the old shirts because I kept one of the old shirts and they scanned them. I made them again. But everybody likes that shirt. It's know? a good shirt. So either hate it, really hate it, or some people get it, you know? <laughs> hey, and then so we made a model kit of it, finally, after years of us bugging them, too. Hey, you should well, make a model was kit. One who told me, he goes, you should make a model kit of it, you know? I go, really think so? And yeah, Kim Ito sculpted it. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> But there it is. There, go King ahead. Kong, Tell us the story. King Kong hanging with his tongue out. Yep. Nah, it's it's too long. It's yeah. It's All it right. got to the point where you know he 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 did a nice sculpture on it. Let's just say that you know. <laughs> gotcha. What kit do you think best represents dimensional designs? Like when you're dead and gone, a hundred years from now, and there's some stupid little museum exhibit of like garage kits. You're lucky he's going to make five. I don't know. I'm talking future. Like, oh, here's this thing of these people used to make these model kits. And there was this company, Dimensional Designs. Which kit do you think should be the representation of of Dimensional Designs? You asked me what my my best seller was. I'll tell you what my worst seller was. Okay. The Crawling Hand. I I could count how many I sold on one hand. (laughs) But you know what? Slow crawling hand. <laughs> well, it was just a cat eating the hand, okay? But those five, it maybe it, maybe it's six or seven, but less than ten, let's say. But those people that got that kit were really happy they got that kit. They liked that movie too. Yeah. You know, and for me, I like to be horror stuff. You know, as cheesy as it is, you know, the, the classic universal stuff. It always has its appeal. I love it. But I'd rather have a thing like the brain that wouldn't die, you know, the head on the table, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when I saw that movie when I was a kid, it freaked me out, you know? I mean, you go back and watch that movie. You know, they buy a check, chunk out of the guy's neck, he's holding a piece <laughs> of chicken, you know, throws it on the floor, the mad doctor rips off the arm, and, you know, so... Probably the B movie stuff, you know. Um, I was gonna say if I was thinking of a dimensional design kit, it would be in the brain that wouldn't die because yeah. that's been in so many of your ads. Yeah, um, and then I would also say the midget monsters because yeah, it was. Monsters. Yeah, but you know, remember, like I said, over the years I had a lot of guys go, "Yeah, you know, you didn't want any more midget monsters done." And I go, oh, "That's a thing." I just have a, you know, that's Randy Lampert's thing, and then he went out to do his own. You know, he's got a whole bunch too. Like, they're all great. Yeah. Yeah, and they are good. They're bigger than yours um, were. They're a little larger scale. But, um, yeah, I get all those, too. I've got all those, too. You know, that's why the Outer Limit stuff, I did it one eight ago, because then I start realizing, you know, like in my house, my house is full of this stuff. You know, I got nine cabinets that are nine feet by three feet tall. I can't even put, you know, like something the size of a Coke can or a glass on any shelf. It's that jam-packed. Then I got hundreds of models. That's what I'm saying. I look at it. What am I doing? You know, if I build a board, I'm going to put them, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I started looking at stuff I have in my garage, in my basement. This stuff is way cooler than the stuff I have in my house. Why isn't that stuff in my house? So I, right now, I'm just kind of looking through stuff, figuring out, you know what? I'm going to get rid of these, you know, get rid of those. But, you know, when you start looking at kids that have big bases, it takes up a lot of, you know. Yeah. Shelf space, and then the other thing is you got to think about if you have a light source from the top, you can't have something with a big base because it's going to kill your light going all the way down the cabinet. 
you know? Yep. Run into the same problem with those Ikea cabinets where I have, and if you don't have it. those lit, the top blocks a lot of light too. And it's, it's tough. And the thing is you can pull stuff out, dust them off and everything. You'll never get them back in there the way they were. It's like, <laughs> yeah. but before, <laughs> you hey, know, it's like a Billiken kit. You could never get the Billiken kits back in the boxes no. the way they came. Or the way those boxes you know, folded. <laughs> you know what I noticed about the Billiken kits? There's no bases. So you can put a bunch. You know, yeah. But I always built bases for stuff to kind of tell a story, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, sorry, I didn't. Like, even some stuff, I look, I go, oh, I could have used a smaller base, you know? It didn't have to be a, a big yeah. square thing. Even a round thing, I could have fit more, you know? I've thrown out so many bases that I made for that exact reason. I'm like, it eats up too much space. Well, I just want something and- small. You think yeah. of, like, the Janus Dracula kit, which is beautiful, with the bride and all that. When that thing's built, it's freaking giant. It's like, what do you do with it then? I have I have that with the bride. I got like I said, if I build it, I don't know where I'm gonna put it. I have the mummy, same thing, the yep. white zombie. I just got finally got the the only one I was missing was the Jack Pierce tribute kit. And mm-hmm. I finally got the, that reissue. But yeah, those are all really cool. It's like if I put them on my shelf, it kills a whole shelf, you know? So, I was at, when I went to Resentopia, I went to Vin's house and yeah. Vin had all his, those big giant ones around like his bedroom dressers. <laughs> like everything was filled up in his bedroom too. And I was like, Oh my God. And I have the same problem. I have some pre-paints in my room. I ran out of space. So man. Like right now in my workshop, I go, you know, I'm going to build all these Frankenstein kits. You know, I might as well get them all done at once. And I got like probably about six of them, you know, and I figure out, you know, because once I mix the paints for all the colors, I'll do one head, do the next head while that one's drying, and I get them all done. And I started, I go, well, yeah, okay, they're almost done. Where am I going to put them? <laughs> I guess I, I best, I guess I better put a shelf up here in the shop <laughs> and put them there, you know. So yeah, same thing. Just, there's just back in the old days. Excuse me, you were just waiting for the next bill, kid, right, Scott? You're yep. thinking. Oh, what are they going to do next? When's their next bill can come down? Oh, Kyoto. Did Kyoto do anything? Any American monsters? Yep. You know, and all of a sudden, some special effects guy in between movies, he put out a resin piece. Or, you know, Jeff Yeager. What's the next Jeff Yeager thing, you know? Kidcraft, you know? What's that Kidcraft, you know? Um, you mentioned that Curse of the Werewolf. And I remember when I saw that for the first time, uh, Kurt Cross had it. And it so blew away. Like at that time, I was only collecting Aurora kits. Yeah. So, you know, I knew of the garage kit hobby, but it wasn't my thing at that point. And I remember looking at that going, oh my God, it is so beautiful. You know, the, the, just the detail in it. And it, like you say, you'd never seen anything like that before. Yeah. Like when Joe Garcia showed me the picture of the Curse of the World, I go, wow. And, and now, Joe Garcia didn't like me, right? Because I wouldn't let him mold those other things. So he wouldn't sell me one of those. So I had to have somebody else on the East Coast buy one and then send it to me. But I remember he also showed me at that time, Mike Tursik, uh, another great sculptor, he did uh, Darkness from Legend, where he's holding the staff. And it was just like another one. It's like, you know, if... If guys in Japan could do stuff, yeah, people in the U- U.S. could do it too, you know? What was your favorite Billiken piece? 
you gotta remember the Yemer, when I got that Yemer at that time, there was no Yemer. Okay. And I know when I went to Forcey Ackerman's house, he had the casting. If there was one thing I could take at Forcey Ackerman's house, they said, take anything you want. It was that big Yemer. And I searched for years for that Yemer. And there was a guy who had a mold. He wanted like $2,000. And then finally, some guy says, I got one, you know. And I was happy. When I went to, to get it, the thing, the mold line was so far off. I might as well sculpt a whole new tail. And, you know, it was like, so that, at that time, that Yemer, you know, that's one of my favorite monsters, that and the creature. I always liked the Yemer. But there was no other Yemer kits. That was it, man, you know. Yeah. So. The Yemer is one of my favorites. Uh, I really like the the Bill Lugosi Dracula is good. They're all good, you know. To me, all the Billiken stuff is, you know. I still think the Billiken Frankenstein holds its own against the resin stuff that's out there. And Jeff's done some great Frankenstein kits, but well, Jeff's done so many Frankenstein. Yeah. I'm sure he does with his eyes closed. You know, but, I mean, um, the uh, over a hundred. Yeah, but the Billiken. Yeah still stands up i mean it's it had the posture it had the feel you know what i mean and it's and the first time i ever saw the dracula i saw it in an ad um on that first crinian base you know that cemetery base and i was like yeah. holy crap this thing's beautiful you know because at the time all i had seen was aurora and all that stuff so yeah. when you started to see this garage kids it was like kid in the candy store stuff like holy crap and then, and then seeing all the stuff jeff did you know like that frankenstein crucified and stuff you know yep. the, i mean the poses you know the booking stuff you could just kind of okay change the arm or whatever you know you're kind of set with it but i mean those kind of tell a story more you know it's, that's from a particular scene you know oh yeah looking stuff captured the character you know and then once the more elaborate resin stuff came out you know, you're telling like a little story a scene. So what do you think's the biggest change from the beginning till now? What's the best and worst thing that's happened to the hobby? The best and worst thing that happened to the hobby? I, I put it this way. Back in the day when I was selling stuff at Chiller and stuff, little by little, my customers became producers. Because they <laughs> you know, they had the same thing like me. Well, I might as well make my own stuff, sell them and trade them. So little by little, everybody that were customers, they all became producers. I mean, there was like times at, at some of those chill shows where I remember Joy Tom. There was like eight new kits by Joy Tom. Every guy had had a new kit by that sculptor. You know, it was like overload. You know, now what I think what's good and what's bad is the whole three D printing thing. Okay, at the last Wonderfest. Michael Berglund had that fly head, okay, mm -hmm. that's 3D printed with all those little hairs, okay? Yes. Yeah. There's no way in hell you can ever cast them like that. I, okay? I agree. Pressure cast, I don't care what kind of cast. There ain't no way you're going to do it. That was beautiful, that thing. So that aspect, it's great. You know, you could do stuff like that, right? The other aspect I think what's bad is all these 3D printed things will never be rare because True. there's always going to be a file and you can always print that file. So nothing will ever be rare. That's 3d printed. I never thought of it that way. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. you're right. 
Because put it this way, years years from now, hey, just go on eBay right now. Mad Max with dog. There's like 20 of them. Uh, one six scale, one eight scale. They got busted it. They're all over the place, right? Yeah. So nothing you buy is ever going to be rare because. This is why guys hang on to their files, though, too, because you hang on to your file, you have control over yeah. the printing because you just print your own. Yeah, that being said, though, file, it's never out of production. Know, you know, I sell you the file. You don't know who, who. All of a sudden, you got that file. You're selling it to twenty guys. The file. Yeah. Right? Well, that's now, the thing. Well, you you have to hold on to your files, unfortunately, if you're gonna. And it, it's still, you know, like I I talk about Tony Cipriano all the time. He don't like to let his files out because you know, unless he's paid by a company or whatever. But it's um for that very reason. You know, yeah. once somebody gets the file. They can go in there and alter it. They can go in there and modify it. And so I get it. Um, you know, so I, I get that aspect of it. You know, and I showed you before we came on this Kong head for my thing. And it's like, you're only going to be able to get those from me. But are they going to be rare? Hey, as long as there's a 3D printer somewhere, I can print one for you. So it's, it's never going to go out of production. You know? the, beauty, the beauty is you can make it any size. So you and, and that's the you know what that is the beauty of it, and it's and you can cut it, you can make a bust of it, you can you know it's yes, and and you're right, and those so there's good and bad with the three D printing for sure. But I, and I mean, I, th I think you're right though, like it, and I've brought this up before, like people who are still doing kits, get a box. Like if you add some other things in there and make that release like important and it becomes a thing you want to have forever and display that as a, as a thing, mm -hmm. like I have a, a art print that comes with it or the box is really cool or, or something or something else that comes with it. I, that's, I think that's what you kind of have to do now to make some of that stuff feel important over prints. Like you said, that are just, it's popcorn because you can do it. Mm -hmm. Whatever you want. And How many you want? Is, some of those things are so intricately done that people don't want to reach, you know, it's impossible for them to recast, you know, because yeah. most people, some people really don't care about recast. If, if they can buy something for, you know, okay, for instance, like say the Billiken kits, okay? I can buy one Billiken kit, it's going to cost me 250 say the Dracula. Well, here's a here's a knockoff for fifty dollars, and another one for fifty. So I could get Frankenstein, Dracula, Mummy, Creature, for the same cost it would cost me to buy one. You know, I don't care. I'm going to build it. You know, so some people don't care. You know, they don't care. You know, if it's an original, it's just like look, look at movie posters. Okay, how many guys out there really now have to own an original movie poster? You can buy a reprint for $10, $15. You frame it, it looks just as good. How many diehard guys are there to go buy lobby cards? That's a good question. Lobby? That's a very good... Because I like thinking about it, I would never buy a recast instead of the real thing. Like, when I have bought a recast, it's something like, it was like an anime thing from Japan that I couldn't get, or they like it just wasn't... But like you know that you could get a Billiken if you really wanted it. And who's that guy that's just like, well, I just want that because it looks like the Billiken, but it's not the Billiken. Like, even if you're going to paint it, I would still, I guess I'm one of the hardcore guys. I would want 
And guys just don't care. And I don't get that. Like even the movie poster thing, I wouldn't buy a movie poster really. That's a reprint. I would go for, I would try and get the real thing or one of those original like screen print things that people do nowadays. Like I don't, I don't know about that. I've, I've got some nice, um, like the mummy poster, the mummy, the original mummy is a beautiful poster and it's been, you can buy a repro of it. You ain't never going to buy one. You can never, Never find one. Afford one. Yeah. Afford, yeah. That that and, uh, I kind of get, but I'm talking like so, now stuff more. The guys that to me, the guys that are out there collecting, um, that do like Danny said, welcome by five at this price, those are the guys that don't get it. Okay. Where you know, the other thing was, like you just said though, and, and I've done it, I haven't done it in a long time, but I have done it, where a kit was just so ultra rare. That was the only way to get it. And yeah. Um, like that Godzilla kit with the Ghidra wrapped around it. You know, I remember when that first got shown and that was getting knocked off right away. Yeah. And and I've got a knockoff of it. Um, I've never had a chance to buy an original. You know, you uh, could... I'll give you another example. I remember back when everyone was buying the, the box Aurora stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. Buying, you know, Bride of Frankenstein in the box, Bunster's family in the box and everything. All those guys spent a ton of money buying that stuff long box this long box that and all of a sudden you know, just, of course Ravel they reissued some of them but not all of them right all of a sudden that Porter Whites comes out and release everything how do you think those guys feel, feel that that bought all those original things yeah yeah and the only thing I can say is That's all that money figuring oh the, you know the price is just going to go up you know yeah well the only thing I can say about that is the Auroras have held their value um, they did take a hit initially, okay. When it when that stuff first came out, but the nice thing about Polar Lights to me was if you had an original, like, and this is why I stopped collecting you, you, you couldn't build it. You could because yeah. if you had it, you were going to destroy the value if you built it. Yeah. Okay. So when Polar Lights streamed in with that shit. I was like, well, this is the best of both worlds. You can build it. If you want the box, you still got the box. And I sold my Aurora collection in a McDonald's parking lot in Ohio <laughs> to Bill Brugman um, for, I think it was $9,000 at the time. Okay. And it was him and Gordy met me in a McDonald's parking lot. And I had a buddy of mine with me. And, uh, that's that's where it changed hands, right in the McDonald's parking lot. But you know, I had all the superheroes, glow monsters, monsters and rods, with the exception of the go kart. And it's like, you know, nostalgia wise, there's still guys out there that have to have original Aurora plastic, and I, right. I have to have that. And it's like, well, if that's your if that's your deal, that's cool. Um, I'm okay with the reissues. Now, I do have one or two original Auroras. Like, I have a Frankenstein original that I'll strip and refurbish. Because to me, I do want to have one that I thought would be cool. So, uh, you know, but, See, yeah, have, it, it's I interesting. I build-ups since I was, like, all, all my originals were built up. And anytime I came across an original long box Aurora, I'd always, you know, turn my friends on to it. Because they were, they were into the boxes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I ever told this story. One time in Toy Shop. They had the glow kits, but with no boxes. And I just did a trade with a guy 
and I got all the frightening lightning boxes. Oh, except, I think except for uh, Frankenstein. And uh, all I had to do was buy those are the same kits, you know, the glow kits. Mm-hmm. So I call this place up and I just never liked the dealer. Uh, I, I had a problem where one time at a chiller show, he, he bought some kits for me that I was selling for somebody. And he went, he goes, well, how many do you have? And I told him, he goes, I'll take all of them. And I go, I have to, I can't host them. It's this price. I walked around the show and the guy had tripled the price at that. I go, at least you could have waited till the next show, not the same show. Right. So I never liked that dealer, but anyway, he had an ad for, it, there was just the, the Royal stuff. But not in the box. So I, I go, oh, I'm just going to buy those and throw them in the, the frightening lightning boxes. Then I got complete kits. And you know, the more I look at these boxes, these, these kits are kind of cool, the boxes, you know? So I call up, and the guy, there was a kid working there, and he told, I asked for the boss. And he goes, oh, he's in Tokyo on a buying trip. Oh, well, I'm looking at Toy Shop, this ad for Aurora Kids. Oh, you like Aurora Kids? Yeah, yeah. Well, we got a bunch of other ones. And I go, what else do you have? So the guy goes, well, we got Preacher. Let me look. They're here on the shelf. Oh, there's a Bride of Frankenstein. There's a Munsters. He starts naming off all these kits. I'm going, well, those are all the original kits, you know? So I go, how much are those? Oh, well, he reads off the prices, and they're, like, pretty cheap, right? And I go, how about for all of them, (laughs) right? And the guy quotes me a price. I go, I'm going to overnight you a check. Oh, great. My boss is going to be happy. You know, when he comes back from Japan, I made this great sale, right? It was a few thousand dollars. Send the guy the overnight payment. The guy sends me this big box. I give it to my friends for what I paid. They're happy, right? I didn't keep anything, right? All I wanted was those those separate glow kits that didn't have boxes because those guys were into collecting the boxes. I get a phone call about a week later. It's the kid. Hey, Mr. Scirocco. This is so-and-so from, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I made a big mistake. And I go, excuse me? He goes, well, apparently the prices I charged you for those kits is what my boss paid for them. But we hadn't, you know, relabeled them or repriced them. You know, I picked them up at the airport and I told them, you know, that I made a big sale. And he screamed at me all the way home, right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, the guy gets on the phone and he starts screaming at me. He's going, "You took advantage of this kid. You, you, you know, SB. You know, you know what those things are worth." I go, "Hey, he offered them to me. You know, he goes, I want those things back." I go, well, there's a problem. I don't have them. He goes, "What do you mean you don't have them? I sold them." I go, "But I can try to get them back." But I can't guarantee it, you know. So I go, you're in a position right now to be yelling at me, you know. But I'll try, right? <laughs> so, so, the, so the kid told me the only reason why I tried because the kid, well, that's okay, Mister Sirocco. I guess uh, you know he said if you don't get the stuff back, I have to pay him what he was going to sell him for out of my pocket, right? I said okay. So I called my two friends. I go. Yeah, I need to explain to him what happened, right? Hell no, we ain't giving him back. Hell no, right? <laughs> I go, hey, man, it's a poor kid. He's in, you know, he's gonna lose his job and stuff, right? <laughs> so, okay, we'll sell him back to him, but I want a hundred dollars more than what you know. Oh, I make some money on you, right? <laughs> so 
I think I got most of them back except for two, two or three of them. One guy said, "There's no way a deal's a deal, right?" <laughs> so, so I call the guy and I tell him, "Oh, look, I can buy back the kits for this much, but it's going to cost you more than what I paid." You know, if you want to buy these things back, these guys, you know, they agreed to sell them back, but they want to make a little something on the deal. And the guy says, "Oh, you're doing that. You know, you're taking advantage." Of me. I go, "That's that. It's out of my hands. I mean, that's the best I could do." And before I do anything, I need you to write a letter to me saying that you ain't going to fire that kid. I go, it says, no matter what, that guy's still going to have his job and you're not going to hold him responsible. So before you even think about sending me the money, you better get that letter to me and then we'll have a deal. The guy, he ended up sending me the letter, you know, Aww. saying he wouldn't fire you know, but um, I, after that, I never, I, mean, I see him at shows <laughs> every once in a while, like, you know, He'll, he, he, he'll this way. You don't like me, and I don't like him. You know, but he's just that guy. That kind of guy, karma. You know, he rips off people. Like I said, he bought stuff for me, went around two hours away, and selling the stuff for like three times the price. You know, at the same show. So what goes around comes around. Yep, it know? does. It always does. This year's Jersey Fest. I got a call. <laughs> Great, and. Uh, it was like we destroyed Danny last night. We don't know what happened. So, uh, <laughs> Danny, what happened? All I know is I, I ate a gummy and I smoked something called a Willie Nelson and I couldn't talk. <laughs> he couldn't talk. I said he couldn't even talk and he knew it. Couldn't talk. <clears throat> wow. It was like. I, I just got paranoid. It was like, I got to get out of here because it's not going to get any better. It's just going to get worse. If somebody would have, lucky it happened during setup, you know, we were setting up the tables. I was all set up. And it was like, I, I couldn't, if somebody would have came and asked me a question, I was like, I couldn't talk, you know? I go, I got to get out of here because, like I said, <laughs> it wasn't going to get any better. It just get worse. <laughs> I was more so, paranoid. So, so, is it true the next morning you did this to the guy and said, yeah. Diablo, get away. <laughs> Diablo. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to talk. So what other things do you collect besides model kits? Because I think one of the cool things about dimensional designs, it's you have other, you have jewelry in there. You have that monkey paw. You have some other like cool little trinkets that go in there. The, the baby skeletons. So I've, I know a little bit of some of the, but what are some of the other things you're into besides model kits? Like I had a friend of mine. He, um, he was a tattoo artist and he got paralyzed going skydiving the week before he was going to get married. Shoot didn't open. He got paralyzed from the waist down. The guy was going to kill himself. And I told him, well, you know, why do you want to kill yourself? He can still tattoo in a wheelchair. You know, why don't you sculpt something? He goes, I don't know how to mold it. I go, well, if you sculpt it, you know, something, I'll mold it for you. So the guy did. He did Alien vs. Predator. The only thing is he had bad timing. At the same time, he we finished the molds. Bill can release <laughs> the alien versus predator. Well, guess which one was better, right? Yeah. But for 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 doing the work, you know, for helping him, I, I'm not going to charge you for the molds. I just I'll do it for you. Come down here, and I'll do it. And he goes, well, here, you know, here's some specimens. And he gave me like, you know, real human in jars specimens of stuff. <laughs> I've always liked freak show stuff, like shrunken head and. 
all that stuff. But, you know, I've collected comic books, monster magazines, uh, masks, like like all the stuff George from Black uh, Blackheart puts out. It's beautiful. I already have all those heads, you know? It's like, yeah. I don't need resin heads. I got latex ones. Well, actually, the, the, the resin ones will last a lot longer because the latex eventually is going to rot. But I have all that stuff already. And then, you know, I got autographs. Um, yeah, I just, I collect a lot of things. Guns, all different kinds of stuff, you know, so. So if your house catches on fire, what's the first thing you're grabbing and running out the house? Uh, first thing I'm grabbing is probably my dog, because I just run across the street to the fire station. <laughs> oh, I have a fire station right across the street from my house. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, it'd probably be the dog. dog. Bring the hoses. Let's go. <laughs> I got the dog. Literally, literally, it's right across the street from my house. Everybody goes, well, how's it like living across you from a firehouse? Great. They don't hit the sirens until you're two blocks you know, down the hill. Nice. You know? That's great. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah, the autograph stuff. Uh, not so much posters, because I got nowhere to put them. I have some poster stuff, but, you know, not fanatic. Um a lot of autographs, just from the years of doing shows, I, I go get autographs. In those days, you could go up to somebody, and if you had pictures, if you sign these, they wouldn't charge you. You know, they just right. signed. You know, yep. um, who's the shittiest autograph person you've ever met? Can you say like that was the biggest jerk in person that you were like, what the hell? I'll tell you a good story. A friend of mine. Wanted me to pick up a bunch of Adam West autographs, okay, at at this at this show. He goes, I got to pick up like a hundred autographs, okay. So I go to the show. My friend gives me a my other friend gives me a name badge. Said Wayne. So I had this badge says Wayne. I go up to to the table. Adam West there. I said, Hi, my friend so and so sent me to pick up these photos. He tells me, Oh well. Yeah, you know, we're going to have to charge another $5 each photo because it costs a lot to print these, you know? I go, I don't know nothing about that. I was just told to pick these up, right? At the time, I was just doing the Outer Limits stuff. So I was trying to get autographs of all the people from the Outer Limits. And I told them, I pulled out some screen grabs that I did, 8 by 10s of, from the episode Invisible Enemy, where it has the sand shark. He's in it, Adam West, right? So I show him that, and he goes, oh, the Sand Shark, that's a very rare episode. And I go, yeah, you know, I was thinking of doing a model kit, you know, maybe doing a model kit you. I could talk to you about it. And he goes, oh. And I go, I'd like to get, you know, two pictures signed, one for the sculptor and one for me. He goes, it's $60 to sign it. And I go, $60? Why are they $60? You're charging $20 for Batman. Oh, because that's that's rare. It's outer limits. You know, I, I mostly signed Batman stuff. So I just didn't like to, that. That right there irked me. I go, you know what? The more I think about it, I don't think I want to have anything to do with you guys. You know, <laughs> besides, I'm a dealer. And he go, yeah, where's your dealer badge? I was like, look, I don't got my badge. And I go, oh, shit. So I'll be back. So now they think I'm lying that I'm saying I'm a dealer. So I walk down. Yeah, I find the badge on the floor. So I pick it up. But I, it just happened to be named Wayne, the badge, right? <laughs> so I go back and I go, see, here's my badge. I'm a, I am a dealer. 
But after talking to you guys, I want nothing to do with you anymore. I goes, you know, you take advantage of fans, right? Because like some people, one guy had a laser disc for Robinson Crusoe on Mars. Adam West is in it for like maybe 10 minutes. He wanted $80 to sign it. You know, same thing with the Shakespeare head, $80 to sign it. You're charging $20 for everything else, right? So I walk away. I start telling, talking to the other dealers that I knew. And they were watching me. They go, oh, this guy knows a lot of people. They see that. I, knew. I go, screw Adam West, you know, saying all this stuff. I'm making sure he heard you take advantage of fans. So they call me, Wayne. <laughs> hey, Wayne, come <laughs> over. We'll make it right. We'll make it right. I go, Batman wouldn't do that. Batman wouldn't do that, right? <laughs> so later on, I go in the bathroom. I go in the stall. I turn around. Who's, who's in the stall next to me? Adam West. <laughs> he looks at me and he goes, oh, hi, Wayne. I go, Batman wouldn't do that. Batman wouldn't do that. And he goes, come back to the table. We'll make it right. We'll make it right, you know? I want you to be happy. So I come, I go back to the table on the way out. I'm going home. You know, we'll sign those pictures. How about for $40 each, right? So at that time, I just wanted to have him in that outer limits collection. So I go, okay, I'll, I'll pay the $40. What the hell, you know? So he goes, okay, so you want me to inscribe it to Wayne? And I go, no, 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 uh, just sign it. He goes, oh, no, I have to inscribe it. I go, why do you have to inscribe it? He goes, well, because it's to you, you know, so you you don't want to resell it. And what is it? who's going to be sculpting the model kit of me? I go, well, that's just it. I have it assigned. I don't know who's going to do it yet. So that's why can you just sign your name and Adam West. He didn't want to do it. Finally, they finally did it. Cost me like 40 bucks each autograph. So when I got home, I looked at the things and it really pissed me off. I go, this thing it makes me sick to look at it. I don't even want these things. So I go on eBay. And that's a bad memory for me, right? So I go on eBay. I stick them on eBay. I sold them. I get a phone call from his manager. <laughs> so, Wayne. Oh, Wayne. So, Wayne. Obviously, they weren't for you, the photos. You should have bought Batman pictures instead of Outer Limits. And I go, hey, you know what? What I do with that photo is my business. I paid you. Yeah, it's mine. I do whatever I want. And you mean to tell me you got nothing better to do than to, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Scour eBay. Search eBay. <laughs> you know. Uh, that was one of the worst ones. <laughs> uh, I think the, the worst autograph I got, I, it was at a famous Mars convention, John Agar. I had him uh, sign some beautiful color shots from Invisible Invaders. Even when he, I showed him the pictures, he goes, where the hell did you get those? It was, again, Jerry Ollinger's. You know, in New York. And um, he had a brain from Planet Eros picture. I go, how much for the brain from Planet Eros? He goes, oh, I think it was $20. So he goes to sign it. His hand was shaking so bad. I mean, it was like horrible. I literally said, thank you, Mr. Eager. I walked away, tore it up, threw in the garbage can. That's how bad the autograph was. Let's do the opposite. Who is the nicest person you ever met Do at a show like that? That sign stuff? Yeah. The, guy, the the nicest guy was Harry Thomas. It was a famous Mars convention. And there's an old little guy sitting there. He goes, hello. And I go, hi. <laughs> he goes, you want to buy an autograph? $2. I go, $2? Give me two of everything, right? <laughs> and I looked. It was Harry Thomas, the guy who did all the makeup, you know, for like Plan 9 from Outer Space and 
killers from space, all the funky movies, you know, Frankenstein's daughter. Yeah. You know. So he signed he signed a bunch of stuff for me. He was really nice. He died a week after. Oh you man. Know, and I ended up I traded a lot of those away to other people, you know. But he was really nice. So the majority of them are, you know, nice. I never got in arguments. Uh, actually, uh, what kind of pissed me off was I had some color shots. It was at a chiller show. Uh, no, it was, a, it was a another show. Uh, Gary Conway from um, Teenage... I was a Teenage Frankenstein. He was there. And I pulled out the color shots, and there were some shots of him, you know, without makeup, you know, leaned up against the, the like the machines in the lab. They were like publicity shots, but they were beautiful shots. And then I had a couple of him with the makeup. So he goes, where the hell did you get these photos? Like, a place called Jerry Ollinger's. And his manager was this woman. She goes, you mind if you let me uh, have this photo? I like to have reprints made so we can sell them. Because I've never seen this photo, especially in color. And, you know, he'll sign for you for free. So, okay, yeah. You can have this one. As long as I get it back. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll make sure he signs and you'll get it back. I think I gave him, like, maybe two of them. And he would not write. Uh, he goes, what do you want me to write? I go, I was a teenage Frankenstein. He didn't want to do it. Because I always make him write something, not just sign it, you know? Yeah. I go, well, yeah, if you just put I was a teenage Frankenstein, he goes, I'm not putting that. I go, oh. How about, how about <laughs> what's wrong with that? Just teenage Frankenstein. <laughs> Finally, he just put teenage Frankenstein and he signed it, but he wouldn't put I was a you know teenage Frankenstein. Another time, one of the chiller shows, Ray Park Jr. was the first time he was at doing this show. Right, the line was all the way around the block. And I had a friend of mine from Japan. He goes, "Can you come with me? I want to get some autographs. See if we work out a deal." Yeah, so. I go there and I tell him, I have a friend from Japan. He wants, you know, 10 or 20 photos autographed. Is there any kind of deal? Yeah, I goes, no. It was like $30 an autograph, right? And so my friend goes, oh, forget it. You know, I'll just, I, I, I think he had action figures. You want him to sign that? He goes, it was like $30 to sign the action figures too. And he said, um, I'll just have him sign the picture and I'll give it to people, you know, with the action figure. I don't need to have both signed, you know? So I, I can't remember how much it was. If it was 30 or $60. It was a lot of money, right? But it was the first time, you know, Ray Park Jr. was there, right? So he goes, how would you like it signed? I go, I'll just sign it, you know, your name and your character name. So he signs it and he puts Ray Park Jr. DM. Yeah, period. D period, M period. I was like, what the hell is this? And he goes, that's the autograph. And I go, for 30 or $60, whatever it was, you can at least write out Darth Maul, <laughs> not just DM, you know? And then um, it was funny because I remember, I don't know if it was Kevin that told me, but his phone bill for the hotel was like $3,000. I guess he was calling England telling him how much money he was making. Oh shit! <laughs> so an autograph, and then about two or three weeks later, there was a big thing in the paper that parents were complaining. They went to a Star Trek convention. I mean, Star Trek, Star Wars convention, and I guess he was charging a lot of money for autographs. So then after that, they they had to use 
certain photos only and you know they only charge so much but oh, man you know so you had some new kits that came out at wonderfest this year you want to yeah. talk about how those happen and then anything new on the horizon coming or there's actually a couple of things I got some new stuff coming, but and what's I can't the best talk- place for people to find? Give out your web address. Give out all that information too. Dimensionaldesigns.com. Um, we have to update a lot of stuff because when we first did the my website guy, when he did it, it was written in an old format. So I guess now I got to rewrite a lot of stuff. But the last stuff I, I came out with, one kit was uh, Count Alucard, and uh, Sean Sampson sculpted it. Uh, started about 20 years ago, just never finished it. <laughs> Finally finished it. So that kit literally 20 years in the making. And then um, Ludwig and Frankenstein from uh, based on Ghost of Frankenstein. Uh, and Frankenstein alone uh, from uh, Ghost of Frankenstein. Uh, that was done by Gabriel Garcia. And uh, actually that was for a customer. I had a customer who wanted that to be done as a kit so he wanted me to you know basically get the whole project done you know as a personal piece for him and he told me if you want you can go ahead and sell you know copies of it so that's the last two things well actually three things so frankenstein that i sell alone is basically the same frankenstein it's a little bigger with just different hands and um before that uh that same customer, uh, he had Joe Ladotti sculpt a captive wild woman for him. And same thing, he told me, build one and paint one for me and you can mold it. And, you know, I, I molded and casted it for him. Uh, some other Outer limit stuff here and there. I mean, I got stuff even from the Tucky auction that I bought that I still haven't remolded, you know? Yeah. There's about four or five pieces there um i have a, i've had it for the longest time a johnny quest turu you know the pterodactyl kit that a japanese sculptor takeshi yodanea did years ago i just never molded it um there's a, i mean there's other thing i know once i you know finished talking with you i'll remember like five other things i have <laughs> a lot of other stuff just laying around you know it's just too much stuff and um when you see something on your website is it all available if it doesn't say it's sold out can you still do you have all the molds for everything still or yeah but, but here's the thing you know there's a couple things that I'll, you know say i i would I, I haven't sold something for four or five months i go to pour it all of a sudden the mold is shrunk and it's like oh god i can't you know i have to remold it now if i can't find the original to remold that part of that section you know yeah I just say, sorry. I mean, there, there's been a case where a guy wanted to trade and he goes, well, uh, how about this? Oh, the molds are bad on that. Okay, well, how about this? Oh, the molds are not so good on that one. How about this? It was like four or five things he asked me. All the, the molds were crapped out, right? And he goes, well, why do you have them listed on your website, you know? <laughs> I go, well, I don't know until I actually, you know, sometimes look at, you know, look at them, so... I, I always love listening to Danny. I spent <laughs> time with Danny at Wonderfest. We have a lot of laughs. Um, I mean, that's the fun of the, going to the show, seeing everybody. It's uh, it is it, it is. I, a couple of years ago, I roomed with uh, Donnie, who was uh, 
John from Janice's ex-brother-in-law and uh, these two clowns went out to the casino wanted me to come pick them up at like 2 in the morning. <laughs> Motherfucker, <laughs> take a cab. I'm not coming to get you. <laughs> you should have just came with us to stay in the room. Oh, my God. It was funny. When we went to the casino, he goes, I say you should play that machine. I feel it. I feel it. And I ain't playing that machine. I'm going to go play blackjack whatever. I went to another machine. I come back. He, I was in. I hear <laughs> some other guy next to him is playing. Hits, hits the jackpot. And Donnie's looking at me. He goes, "I told you. I told you. I told you." <laughs> so then but, he come back, and uh, Donnie decides he's hungry. And what was it about three in the morning? Oh, that's, that's the second time. That this is yeah. This was the time before that. Yeah. Then it was like three o'clock in the morning. He goes, "Let's go have breakfast." He goes, I'm going back to the room. You know. He told a cab driver, you want breakfast? I'll treat. So <laughs> cab driver, he took the cab driver somewhere. You know, they went. Oh my god. <laughs> anything you want to cover? Like anything else? No, I, I mean I could talk forever and so can you guys, but uh, I'm here let's, at a friend's house and he's trying to he wants to kick me out. So well, let's do a let's him. do a part two eventually. <laughs> agree to at least agree to come back sometime. Yeah, I'll come anytime. Yes, um, absolutely. Okay. You know, maybe when I got some new stuff, uh, you show you the new stuff, and uh, for sure, yeah, for sure. Uh, Thanks for having me, dude. Uh, we loved having you on. This has been Danny's uh, one of the few guys that watches us. I know, uh, <laughs> like, but I think from I, when, and I'll, I'll like just a personal note from the time we started this, you have been on our list. Like, I think from our first episode when we started yeah. talking about people we would want to have on the show. You were in that top five of people we had to get on. So well, thank you so much for coming on. One of the godfathers of this hobby who I don't think gets enough credit for being one so of those godfather guys. Money. And I, you're very humble. You don't, when people hear you, they're not, he's not very humble. Like they would not think that you're as humble as you actually are. You're one of the nicest guys I've met. I'm just a stupid okay. kid in all this. And oh it's here we go. The nicest you. guys. Now we're going to hear he from Jill again. He, no, Jesus well, Christ. Well, we're going to have a nice. fight. We're going to have Rob Madison and Danny fight like boxing. Who's the nicest guy? <laughs> yeah. The nicest oh guy battle. God. But yeah. man, yeah, thank, I, like, I like watching, seeing all the new stuff. And uh, like I told Scott, I really enjoyed thing where he's going through those bins, looking at those old kids. Because a lot of people, they never, they don't even know that stuff exists. Right. Right. You know? Yeah, we got more of those coming. It's, so it's good to see that. But seriously, thank you so Great. much. We will have you on again. Thanks. You are you so welcome. Thank you. I, I thanks. really mean it. All right. Thanks, man. We'll see you hey, in a bit. Thanks for coming on. Let's hey, talk. I don't know how to shoot this thing off. All right. Hold on. <laughs> we'll, we're, I'll stop recording and then you can hang up. That went well. That went really well. Thank you, Danny. Yeah, that went well. I'm glad we mentioned Mark Stalick. Um, the first guy I ever met to cast resin. And Danny, the about the freak show and the <laughs> eating glass and shit like that. That that's just priceless. So um, yeah, I, I thank you so much for coming on. I I cannot wait to have you back again. And it's awesome, awesome, great interview, great stories. I I just to know you're one of the people that <laughs> helped kick yeah. all this off, and just mm-hmm. so cool, so cool. Well, and to to realize. And, you know, I, I give Terry Webb his credit, too, to realize this was all done prior to social media and the Internet and all that. It's all word of mouth. It was all word of mouth and telephone calls and 
you know, I can't tell you how many two, three hundred dollar phone bills I had back in the day. Okay. <laughs> and it's like, wow. Man. All right. No, that was great. I can't wait to do this again. So, all right. Emails, voicemails, and corrections. Uh, corrections. We did everything right last episode, so we're good. Yeah. Which you couldn't say about your model in the movie. Correct. Well, you did everything right, except try to <laughs> yeah, except yeah. God, uh, why do you keep reminding me? All right, emails. I don't think if I have one that I missed, I'll put it in the next episode. I don't think we really had any emails this episode. We had one, and if you're listening, the person that sent it in, a controversial little thing that Scott and I are kind of we're still like just debating what to do with that information. So we will get that out. If we decide to post some of that stuff or not, it's nothing bad. Just some, we're not sure if we it want. did receive though something. What'd you get? Um, they did help out a member. He sent me these. Oh, okay. these are Modeler's resource number three, four, and five. Were those the ones you were missing? Like you were missing no, what? I'm missing one through three. Okay. This gentleman was nice enough to send me um, an extra four. And, and as you can see, it's got some postmark lines on it. An extra four and five in hopes that I could trade them for a one and two somewhere. Or, <laughs> nice. Okay. So I still need one and two. Everyone knows when Modeler's Resource started, okay, it was literally a paper... Stapled in the middle here, so about what eight pages? Uh huh. Uh, better than newsprint, but I mean, you know, the, the photos weren't great, you know. But this is this is how it started out. An amazing figure, not amazing figure. Model and toy collector started out very similar. The first issue was just a mailing, but it was like half the size. And then around issue four, what is issue four? When they went to a shinier, glossier paper, but they still only were two color with some red mixed in there on the cover. But um, again, it's uh, you know, what are the ads? Of, uh, Hold those up, the ads, real quick, just closer to the screen. I want to see what the ads are. So there, there's the Johnny Quest, the Jack Nicholson. Um, oh, there's that Rhino, that Centaur Rhino thing up. Yeah. So, um, that's awesome. Lots of cool stuff in here. So anyway, now you, you better start saying thank you. Uh, thank you to, uh, Jeremy Blakely. Well, that's really cool that you got sent those Scott. That's, that's awesome. That's very, very cool. Yes. Uh, they're fun. So I still need one and two. Anybody have those that they want to part <laughs> with that will complete my, that would complete my collection of the, um, what I call the big three of the modeling kit builders, AFM and modelers resource that would complete my runs of all of them. So, awesome. Uh, okay. Let's get to yeah. our first voicemail. You ready? I'm ready. The ghost of Tucky has returned. Ooh. Yep. You guessed right. It's me, John Tucky from the grave. I'm back. And just in time. Well, how convenient of Johansson to sit out the last episode of Model Club. What's wrong, Scott? Did you run out of 
stupid mom jokes, or were you putting your shrink ray on Mark Brokaw's big head? Well, either way, I know what you weren't doing, and that was building model kits. But hey, keep telling people how it's done. I'm sure it's what the hobby really needs. More know-it-alls, right? Oh, and let's not forget, fuck Jason Walker, too. I still don't know what I did, but okay. Guilty you... by association. <laughs> but apparently there's some animosity towards me. I, I think there is. Do you have a shrink ray? Are you aiming it at the big heads? No. Although I think that's a really good idea. <laughs> it's to well, make those things. Well, wait, hold on. Yes, I do have a shrink ray because when this was first released, it was like two and a half times as there, big. There so you go. So you, you do got... have one. All right, the next uh, voice, we have four voicemails. This is from Brent of the Figure Model Garage. Uh, Model Club TV, Scott and Jason, happy Halloween. Uh, Jason, happy birthday. And uh, I have a suggestion for a a potential uh, on-the-road segment. Uh, I saw that the Field Museum in Chicago has an exhibit for bloodsuckers. And that might be something really cool if you're able to film that uh, for the folks who are nowhere near Chicago and won't be able to see that. Uh, that might be a pretty cool exhibit. All right. Have a good one and another great episode. Oh, thank you, Brent. Thank you for calling in with that. I, I always tend to forget to look at what's going on at the museum. And let me. So I went and looked up the Bloodsuckers exhibit. And it's about animals that are bloodsuckers. <laughs> And the first image, one of the first images they show and talk about are some lampreys in a jar. I have one sitting in the room next door. I already have one of these. Of course you do. But, but, uh, let me get that web window up. I already have one of these. There it is. The lampreys in a jar. But it looks like there's a lot of really cool stuff there. And I messed up this picture. It's not centered. But, yeah, that looks like a cool exhibit. Uh, The only problem is I have to go on the weekends. And, or maybe over Christmas break, I can get up there. So if I get a chance, I will most definitely go check it out and take some pictures and uh, share them with everybody. So thanks for so, the heads up. You know, prior to listening to that, yeah, I, I saw on a um, message today, uh, popped up on my Facebook, George Stevenson posted. And, About sucking um, blood? Told me... Um, and he, he's got, uh, he posted some pictures from this thing. But what was cool is the Blackheart Models full-size Dracula 360 bust is part of the display. That, oh, you know what? I did see that. Like, okay, cool. And it's under glass. And it's, you know, it's under glass in a museum. So, um, and George was, uh, it was called Bloodsuckers Legends to Leeches. Um, his company's work. Um, exhibiting in my hometown. How cool is that? And that yeah. is really cool. So yeah, maybe I will get a chance to get up there. Uh, Steve Riojas has a pterodactyl in the, in that museum as well uh, that he had painted. I, I don't know if it's still there. Is it? I, I think they took it down from the ceiling and maybe they moved it, but it used to be okay. when you walked in the door, it was straight up above your head. Uh, I hope they didn't get rid of it. That sucked. Yeah, because they put different ones up there because now there's like a whole like flock of them, I guess. Oh, okay. So I don't know if they moved the one that Steve did or not. But when's uh, the last time you were at the Field Museum? It's been a while. I haven't been there in a little. You know, while. Uh, the last King Tut exhibit they had. So I, I want to say it was around 2006. 
Okay. <laughs> and there was a small King Tut exhibit. And I got to tell you, the Field Museum is a snooze fest. It's like a Lord of the Rings movie. Okay. It's like Peter Jackson curated that museum. All right. I'm sorry. It's a, no, there's things that are cool. Um, the Sioux skeleton, the T Rex, that's really cool. Um, I've gone, they had a great Star Wars exhibit there. Uh, they did. They had a Star Wars exhibit. I went with Matt and Thad back in the day. And then uh, Joe and Lynn, Joe Graziano and Lynn Burks came out and I went a second time. So I um, went, they have the, or was, no, that was Science and Industry that had the Jim Henson one. It was fantastic. Yeah, I didn't see that. I did see a special effects one at the Science and Industry where yeah. they had some of the Independence Day models. Yeah. A few of the Star Wars models, but the coolest thing they had there was the matte painting from the Wizard of Oz where they're coming up on Oz. The, with the, yeah, the Emerald City. The Emerald the, City, yeah. That was kind of cool. cool. So I, I prefer the Museum of Science and Industry over the Field Museum. It's just, I don't know. Field Museum is more for animal nerds like me and dinosaur nerds. Like, it's. I love it. I love the aquarium the most, but that's. I, I am a big. I like the aquarium. All right. Our next voicemail. Tank in your house? What? Do you even have a fish tank in your house? I've had a fish tank most of my life. When I moved to this house, I did not have space for one and had to get rid of my fish tank. So it's my other hobby, usually, and I haven't had one. All right. We have another voicemail from. The Joker has returned. This is the Joker. And it's Halloween time once again. My favorite time of the year. And I, I think I leave Scott Johansson alone because he kind of bores me. Anyways, I found a new best friend. His name is Tim Fortuna. Uh-oh, Tim. And I think I'll make a trip to this great Canadian border and... <laughs> This is my best new friend, my new pal, right, Harley? Oh, sure, Mr. Gay, anything you want. Yes, I think I'll have lots of fun with Timmy and his plumbing and all his dog secrets. <laughs> Did he say Timmy and his plumbing? No. I, I think the Joker's trying to get caught. He's trying to give his hints. I, I think so. I think you're right. And so, the ghost of Tucky part two, two voicemails from the Tucker. This is John on motherfucking Tucky from the grave. Hot, let me give you some much needed advice. You put as much effort as you do in acting like you know everything about the hobby and would actually practice what you preach. People may want to take you serious and tune into model club, you know, Break out a kit and build it, grind some resin, dip a brush into some paint for fuck's sake. But till that happens, the blather continues. And fuck Jason Walker, too. Dude, he sounded extra angry that time. I don't know what I did to the tuckster. Yeah, I... Hey, John, what was your, uh... Let's, let's get some secrets revealed. How'd you die, sir? How'd you die? What was the, uh... What was the last thing you were doing? We'd love to know. Right, leaving us voicemails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, that's the show, everybody. Thank you again, Danny Sirocco, for coming on Dimensional Designs. All the information is down below. If you uh, are interested in the giveaways, we have Ratzilla. Leave that comment in the uh, comments. <laughs> Put that in there. And then also we have uh, Vampire Zero from Paul Gill and Jesse Rubin. 
So thank you both for sending those in for the giveaway. Leave those in the comments. We'll be back in just a short couple weeks with another episode. Episode 83. Scott doesn't look excited. Say goodbye, Scott. 83. 83. Goodbye, Scott.